Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. Welcome to MGO Podcast 14.9. Don't do anything that happened after the final whistle, but especially don't touch Mel Tucker's head. Yeah, that guy got kicked out for good. I guess we got to start with the big controversy. Just one? Well, you know the one. And, you know, just in my opinion, uh, you got to go for it there. Because Brad Robbins has not punted in two games. <laughs> and it's like five minutes left in the fourth quarter and it's fourth and three. You got to go. You can't put Brad Robbins out there. You got to give him an extended vacation because he's got an awesome mustache. I-, I was just worried that he wasn't on the team anymore. I mean, the PSAs are still going on in the stadium, which is nice. Like he had, he had. Well, yeah, I mean, we haven't seen him since what Indiana. Watanejo, yeah, waiting for Morgan Freeman. He's the holder for the greatest kicker of all time. Uh, It's true. Okay, could have been someone else in a hilarious mustache, though. But they put him out there, and he punted, and I was like, "That's all anybody's going to be talking about tomorrow." (laughs) At least us. Uh huh. That's it. You know what? Wait, where did he punt from? Because could that been a field goal attempt too? No. It was our. Uh, it was. It was the. How it should have been a field goal, goal attempt. <laughs> See what you I, did. That's that's on you, Seth. That's it on you. It should have been the longest field goal in the history of college football. Just, oh, no, like, I need a new hot take. And then <laughs> lines up for an eighty-yarder up up like three and a half scores. Oh, uh, it's not getting there, guys. And then there might have been some sort of post-game fracas because Michigan State would have been mad. <laughs> How could you kick field goals on us like that? Uh, they just they they did ask. Tucker about the double pass or the wide receiver pass, like up twenty two points or whatever. Was it a state guy who asked him? Like I don't know. It was mad because Michigan was trying to pass. The yeah. Ball do you take that? Minutes? Yeah. Do you? How do you take that or whatever? He had the best response I've ever heard. He was like, "It's our job to stop it." And I was like, "Well, yeah. okay, that's yeah. about as sane as it gets." It's better than his response of like, "Oh, we're gonna take a." Did you hear about your players hitting somebody? <clears throat> oh, we haven't. I haven't really seen it yet. And well, he's surrounded full, by, full phones. Brady <laughs> by phones. <laughs> he could have picked up any one of those phones, and like it would have had that video like up at that. moment. All right, before we get into all of that, hey, do you want to talk about the sponsors? Yes, we'd like to thank Underground Printing for making this all possible. Rishi and Ryan have been our biggest supporters from the beginning. Check out their wide selection of officially licensed Michigan fan gear at their three store locations in Ann Arbor, or learn about their custom apparel business at Underground. Shirts.com. We would also like to thank our associate sponsors, Jar, Homeshare Lending, Peak Wealth Management, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grant, Human Element, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Venue from Prentice 4M, where we recorded this, The Nosebleeds, which is the Scarborough's new show on UFC Fight Pass, and introducing to our, the podcast our longtime ticket partners, Ticket IQ. All right. So before we actually get into the game, we do have to address Jaden McBurrow's getting American History X'd in, in the. Uh, Tunnel. There, 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 was, yeah. there, there was someone else too, right? Harbaugh said there were two players. Uh, yeah. So 
There's a video from uh, Tom Van Haren after the game, and you can see Burroughs and a guy wearing 22. There's a video from Chris Solari uh, showing McBurrows getting um, beat down briefly by about 9 to 10 Michigan State players. Uh, Ward Manuel did not mince words in the aftermath. Uh, everybody on the Michigan State beat minced some words. <laughs> Tevier Dunlap is also 22. Yeah, it's pro- it was okay. probably Dunlap then. There you go. Um, So, first of all, I think the event there is bad enough that law enforcement should get involved. Yeah. And I don't know. No no, no one needs to go to jail. But what they do need to do is some very annoying Washtenaw County community service. (laughs) Well... (laughs) I don't. I don't know what the consequences are. I don't know that I feel like speculating because maybe they do. I mean, who knows? I, I'm so, no. Just, I'm sorry. Like that. That guy is not in pads. He's not wearing a helmet. He probably said something, but there's literally nothing you can say that warrants that kind of confrontation. It's ten versus one. No, he's no, on the ground, and people are trying to stomp on him in cleats. I, I agree with you on that. I mean, that's like the what? Well, it's the. Uh, Todd Bertuzzi incident on the ice, right? Is he's yeah. stalking the guy, jumps on his back, and then pounds him in the ice. That's not hockey related. That is so far outside of even fighting. Mm-hmm. And, and this is what this is: you, at post football game in a tunnel where you're going back to the locker room. It's not even anything where people should, are supposed to be near each other in that sense. Right. And then he's on the ground, and I mean, I mean, that's if you did that out in the street. If we all did that out in the street to somebody, we, we probably would be in jail. You, you so would be in jail. I don't know that he might have to. It's that's not up to me or you. That's up to people who do this for a living so but it it should be investigated and looked at and if that's what it is then that's what it is and but it was bad and we gotta talk about the michigan state beat uh-huh like again <laughs> i mean it's like we do this Solari, <laughs> Comparoni, every one of these guys is either downplaying the event or making it seem like it was some sort of equal brouhaha between groups of michigan players and groups of michigan state players or in cops case directly blaming jim harbaugh now I don't know about you, but as an adult, if someone does something to me, I have a choice about how to react. I would this is something I tell that. my four-year-old mm-hmm. is that when you feel the big mad feelings, you got to go do something else and cool down. And there is no excuse for purported adults on the Michigan State beat to be saying literally anything else. And for them to be saying literally anything else, it doesn't matter what Jaden McBurrow said. It does not matter. It doesn't matter that there was a fracas on the field. It doesn't matter that Jim Harbaugh called two passes. It does not matter. <laughs> if you're going to try to blame a coach for a play call but that's, that's leading what, to that's that. What every, that's that's I mean, what everybody on the Michigan State Internet is I, doing. And they're, they're, well, then let them. But that's ridiculous. Even the words they're using. Like, fracas is what happened outside where, like, you know, a couple of players are, like, yeah. pushing at each other. That's not a fracas. Okay? That's an assault. Yeah, that's yeah. assault. And they're not even using the word assault. They're just, they're dancing around. Or they're it. calling it a fight when it's not a fight. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a fight when ten guys are kicking one guy who's on the ground. Yeah. Well, so I mean, I, I this just goes back to everything that is Michigan State as a program, as an athletic department. Mm-hmm. I mean, the convoy thing. Right. Would mm-hmm. that have happened at any other school? No. Has it? No. 
And like all the D'Antonio stuff where they're getting guys right out of jail or the Rather Hall incident, this is who they are. The Rather Hall incident was the second incident in two year, in, in a year yeah. where 10% of the team went to, went somewhere to beat somebody up. I mean, you got Mateen Cleaves, you, and every one of these things gets excused. So there's never any corrective behavior. And you get the idea, and pretty much every Michigan State fan on Twitter was like, oh, fuck around and find out. That's not, this is not fuck around and find out territory, <laughs> right? This is, I mean, if it is, it's like fuck around with law enforcement and find well, out. Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, you want to talk about how coaches are, are liable for this kind of stuff. We talked, I, I was talking during the week about how, you know, and we were kind of joking about it, like, oh, Tucker's like trying to come up with reasons why Michigan State should hate Michigan. But it's a fact, that at Michigan State, you are inculcated with a hatred for Michigan. Not just a dislike, not just a right. rivalry. They push any way that they can make you hate Michigan. It's part of well, the it's, culture. I mean, it's, it certainly it, does seem like that. And it's even different than the way Ohio State does it, right? Mm-hmm. Like Ohio State's like, oh, we're going to cross out the M's and we hate these guys and la, 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 la. But what's the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry? Like on – like. Like in terms of on the field or that kind of stuff, ripped down our banner, right? Yeah, in nineteen seventy three, and honestly, that was kind of cool, right? (laughs) Like everybody remembers that incident. Everybody's like, "Oh, they took down the banner. That's terrible." But that's just that's just rivalry stuff, right? Yeah. And when there was the the uh, it wasn't even an incident last year. When Herb Street has the video from the tunnel last year, it's jawing. That's all it is. Like yeah. Michigan gets in the tunnel and they start hooting in this way that is permanent and will never stop. And I love it. And we should continue doing it. And anyone who says anything bad about the tunnel, our response needs to be, fuck you. <laughs> That's the other line that they're taking, by the way, is like, oh, no, three incidents in two years no. in the, the tunnel. This is not architecture's this is, fault. This is, this is time for Michigan to double down on the tunnel. Yeah. And be like, this is it. You can either listen to us hoot as we go into the locker room and – respond in some way or just go to the locker room and we don't care we're not doing anything wrong we're we're waiting until the the officials tell us that we can go in the tunnel and then we're making noises with our mouths which is allowed you can do that there's a first amendment and everything but (laughs) even though it doesn't apply to private actors but this is a public school so i think it does apply dave (laughs) isn't this what happens after every play anyway after every sack after every tackle, after every three-yard gain, somebody you, gets up and yells something about what they just did. If you can't take the jaw then get off the field. Oh, they were off the field. Well, <laughs> if you can't take the jaw Get out of the stadium. Go work in the, ca- the cafeteria. You can't be anywhere. There is nowhere you can be in America where if somebody jaws at you or somebody runs by you wearing the wrong uniform, where you're allowed to just, like, start beating on it. Right, and then, and then it's like, oh, it, you know. It's no big deal. He just found out what, what happens. Like, no, that's not the way this works. That is not the way this works. No. And I, I mean, you predicted you predicted it in your preview. I you did. said there's going to be a cheap shot. Right. And I was I was like, wow, we actually got through this whole game without a cheap shot. Oh, you were so close, Brian. I was I was like, wow. <laughs> also, I got Michigan's points exactly right for the first time ever. Man, were you hoping that they were going to kick a sad field goal and it was going to be no, 29 to 10? No, no, I, no, I did not. That entered, did it enter your mind? No. Oh. I was like, I don't want to be exactly right about the score. I want Michigan to win by 60. Like All, all the betters were so mad because I think the, the line was 22.5 at the well, end. Well, if you got in it right away, you, you, you cashed. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. but I, don't, I don't sports bet because I have plenty of vices that aren't that. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't well, include being in cleats and kicking at a guy's face. 
Sure. Uh, I, I mean, are you surprised? What, what, no, I'm not. surprised. I am surprised. Like, why? I'm, wait, I'm, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Well, I, you, I, you say that you're not surprised. No, no, which no, no. I, I'm not surprised, and I think that the Big Ten is long past time that they take a look at this. Not just. From not just this incident. This is a program level. Brian mentioned this earlier. It's a program level problem. That's who they are. It doesn't it, matter who the coach is. And these guys sure. are part of your conference, and it's happening again and again. And I, I there's there are times when I can say, okay, it's an isolated incident. This is not an isolated incident. This is part of the program culture to hate, to beat on people, to and then get away with it. And this time it happened in Washtenaw County instead of Ingham County, so there might be repercussions. That's the only difference here. So, but you you are not surprised that this happened. No, but you are surprised. Well, so there was a there was a there was a I'm going to call it a fracas because that one was a fracas. There was a fracas on the field after sure. the game, which happens. Whereas people are woofing, yes. and then like uh, one of their defensive tackles starts swinging, mm-hmm. and he's he's immediately like restrained by right. other people on the team. Right. Lost his temper, swinging. Guys wearing football helmets. You see that not all the time, but you know, often enough. Often enough, like it's going to happen four or five times in a college football season, especially right? in these kinds of games. Right. Um, but this this is uh, this like this is a Ned incident. You remember Ned? Uh, it's not coming to my mind right now. <laughs> There's, it was a Florida International Miami game. Oh, and like, yeah. It was a bench clearing yes. brawl, and there was this guy whose last name is apparently Ned, but every <laughs> and, it, and everybody's heart, his first name is Ned, and he's on he's torn his ACL and he's on crutches and he's like lumbering into yes. the battle, yes. <laughs> and everybody is like, this cannot stand. This is not sport. And to me, this is a this is a Ned level incident, where you have basically a defenseless player who may have been injured, and you know if Harbaugh some, said he broke, someone's nose is broken. Well, if Jaden McBurrow's nose is broken, I mean that's aggravated assault. Yep. And for literally every Michigan State fan, coach, media member, to deflect blame downplay the incident or straight up approval approve it is it's how you get to be michigan state so if you say straight up losers so if you say this is who they are why are you surprised at this then well i mean they already had their fracas on the field i guess like i'm 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 just surprised that like they're gonna go that far my takeaway and this is maybe my hot to what should be my hot take is that people high enough up in I don't know what administrations, but administrations probably want stuff like this because this is popular. This is Twitter clicks. This is videos. This is this is attention, and that's kind of well, what there's, there's what's, a, what drives a lot of this stuff. It keeps rivalries going. Now, I don't think it's good, and I don't necessarily agree with it. But you're asking, well, someone needs to step in and look at this. That seems way too easy. It's almost like fixing the Wi-Fi at Michigan Stadium. <laughs> It seems way too easy, so it has to be some other explanation. And so you look I mean, at it, and it's kind of like I wouldn't be surprised if if there's people far enough removed who have enough power who are like, you know what? These sorts of incidents, this is good for this rivalry. No, it's good for this. No. You don't think so? Have a, have a no. son on this team? 
There's a, there's I a mean, lo- there's I don't a know. I, I'm not, I'm not saying so who like, it is. I'm not naming names because I don't specifically know. But if you're wondering why this stuff continues to no, happen don't, and don't, no one looks into it and no one tries to do anything to prevent it in that sense, I mean, not saying that well, Michigan this, did. I mean, the Big Ten doesn't really have a whole lot of license to step in after the Rather Hall incident, which is not on the field. It's not part of the Big Ten's purview. Okay. This is really the first, like, one where they, like, screwed up their venue. Um, where to perpetuate Well, not, not counting when they tried to break Denard Robinson's Well, neck. yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, that's just another one. So, I mean, the list is, I mean, that was, what, now 11 years ago? Yeah. I mean. And, yeah, but, and, like, even then, do you remember what the conversation was? Oh, well, Taylor Lewan held the guy's face mask into the ground. Yeah, that should have been a penalty. But that versus twisting a guy's neck, that's what could have happened. Who's and not even the same guy? It's a and, different guy. And I, and I believe in culture. I believe that, like, you know, if, if something is being passed around and you, people are acting a certain way and it's reinforced around other people, that's how you yeah, act. When's the last time an Ohio State player tried to injure a Michigan player on the field? It hasn't happened. No, we had a. Was it close sh- to that when, when Hall got ejected? No, I don't remember what he did. No, it was that was just a fra- that was a fracas off the kickoff, uh, and there was a bunch of pushing and shoving, and I think Hall took a swing at someone. Okay, but that's again on a totally different level. That's the only time I can really remember. And like you know, he goes off the field and he's got both middle fingers extended. <laughs> we still caption the yeah, picture. On, yeah, on that on that level, I think it is good for for the sport. Okay, like it, n- nobody was in danger there. Yeah, nothing bad was going to happen, right? There's yeah. there's officials. It's in the f- it's in the full view of everybody. The situation is controlled, and this situation was not controlled, right? And therefore, the hammer has to come down. And we'll is see. It, if it is it interesting does. that two players ran up? The tunnel. Not saying that I, that doesn't matter. I mean, that gets into victim blaming, like where the woman. No, 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 because no, no, no. That's wearing. not. But. It, it's well, irrelevant. It's, it is it's irrelevant. a different thing. But anyway, it doesn't continue. matter what Jayden like you Mc- said. It's, it might be players who didn't play. It, it doesn't matter what Jaden Murray Mar- was doing or saying. Yeah, <clears throat> there's one guy, and there's a whole bunch of Michigan State players, and I think Ward Manuel was very clear that this is unacceptable, and there need to be consequences, and we'll see what those are. Do you think there will be? Yeah, I think that you're going to see most of those guys suspended for the rest of the season, which is a, a kind of a... Do you think that's enough? No, I don't. No. I, it, I think that stadium I mean, should be burned to the ground and the earth okay, okay. assaulted. Do you th- I mean, like, kicked off the team? Honestly, yes. No. Uh, honestly, uh, what, 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 could, be, what or, could be what, worse what? than getting your ass beat again by Michigan next year? <laughs> Keep them on the team. <laughs> No, I, I make them sit out for, for Michigan next year. You're, I, I, I see your point. But make them sit and watch it, and that's the thing. These guys in a dunk they, tank. Their season's over. So what do you care? I mean, so what do they care? Right? The, the whole season is Michigan. They hate Michigan. This is what Michigan State's about. We hate Michigan. Yeah. We left it all on the field in Michigan. And guess what? Okay, we lose a couple. Honestly, guys Honestly, next year's season. game should be at Michigan Stadium because of that. Yeah. That's what see now, doing. now yeah. we're talking. Now, now, now this that's that's a decent point. That's what they should do. Yes. Yeah. That would be. That would be amazing, and that would be meaningful, right? That's a meaningful consequence mm-hmm. for the program. Man, we we you could probably just bait them into like always having the game at Michigan State. Well, it was for it, it was at Michigan for like thirty straight years. Maybe that's why. <laughs> <laughs> All right, is it time to talk about the game? We got to talk about a football game. Should we take a break? Yeah, I mean, unless you need a whole segment on special teams and defense. All right, let's take a break. 
Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up, and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. At Peak Wealth, we believe we can help you retire with confidence. It's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner from Peak Wealth Management in Plymouth. I graduated from Michigan in 2001 with an econ degree and founded Peak Wealth Management in 2014. Now we have over $240 million of assets under management. As a freshman in 97, winning the national championship in football and hockey didn't get any better than that. Both my wife and I lived in Bursley that year, and it's crazy because we never actually met while living in the same dorm. Probably because she had a car and I had to ride the bus. But we named our dog Bursley anyway, and he's on the payroll here at Peak Wealth Management. At Peak, we're fee-based. We're your fiduciary, which means everything we recommend is always in your best interest. We partner with leading institutional money managers, focus on low fees, and make sure every client has a financial plan covering retirement, college, tax, estate, insurance, and cash flow. Simply put, we are Peak Wealth Management, your comprehensive financial coach. Book your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality, video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable community. I ain't proud, Lord, I ain't proud. I ain't proud, well, I ain't 
Well, Seth, I am gazing out onto a baby shower. There are canapes being passed. There's a woman with a Bloody Mary. It looks elaborate. People are enjoying themselves. I think one person is dressed up as either Ruth Bader Ginsburg or Susan B. Anthony. And you could be doing this, too, if you were at Venue. You are at Venue. I am at Venue. And you know what? I was at Venue yesterday, too. If you were gazing out this window yesterday, you would have seen a pretty cool tailgate, uh, which they put on a really good tailgate, actually. And parking's 50 bucks. Uh Uh-huh. But they give you a $50 gift certificate. Right. So parking is free. Right by the stadium. Like you're at the other end of the bridge, basically. Yeah. So come here. And park for free and get some totally rad food at venue. So, as mentioned, I got the Michigan number of points exactly right at 29. I wish I did not. <laughs> did you put that much thought into it? In like, No, I did not what? think that they were going to get two touchdowns and five field goals. You, sir, are not appreciative of field goals. Field goals are, are a beautiful thing. Shut up. We got That's field goals stupid. from distance. Work of art. No, short, no, no, long, no, 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 goes no. from everywhere. We, we, I mean, he was not, he was not on pace to get like the record and now he is. <sighs> so, I mean, that's, okay. oh man, you know what? Against Nebraska, fine. That might's going to score less than Nebraska. No, but like <laughs> against Nebraska, fine. But like, I wanted this game to be 64 to nothing. Yeah, well, I but, think, but, I, but see, that was the whole thing that coming into it is I had a bunch of people ask me in the last, I don't know, a few days, what do you think the score is going to be? Or what, what do you see in the game? And I'm like, well. I think Michigan's going to win by a few scores. And then it comes down to how bad does Harbaugh want to just pummel Michigan State? Like, does he – remember, like, they hung a ton on Durkin in 16 against Maryland, but it was, like, 59-3. to yeah. He hung a ton on Rutgers. Like, there are times when you see it – because that's not really Harbaugh, right? He's not really a let's see how many points I can score today kind of guy. So when he does it, there's usually a reason. This is a reason where you're thinking, hmm, you know what, there might be – some desire in him to just absolutely destroy Michigan State and hang a lot of points. Maybe, but clearly, maybe put more than one guy in the end zone when you're at the third and eight. I mean, there's well, a, there's a lot of that we can get into, but the, I think here? I think the overall well, thought is that let's focus on that's not it. The thing that really worked, yes. which has worked pretty much so in every situation against every team for 177 <laughs> yards and. Has several carries where he either just deadlifts three Spartans across the first down line or manages to, like, Houdini out of three tackles and then, like, one step away from hitting the Jets. And then someone, like, manages to get a hand on his very frustrated. And this guy is the best back in the And I've already said this on the podcast, probably the best guy I've ever seen. So – at the trade deadline, and that's that's not include Denard, who was quarterback. I I, oh, well. I wasn't even going to mention Denard. I mean, you're up against Tom Harmon and Willie Heston. But I, I mean, I'm not. No, I'm not going up against Tom Harmon and Willie Heston because I'm. I personally did not. Yeah, see either he of said those guys he play. said him. So, but but I I would go there. So at the trade deadline last year, the Avs traded for a defenseman, Josh Manson. And okay. Within <laughs> no, listen to me on this. And within a week or so, there was a an interview with him, and they asked him, "How is it like playing with Kale McCarr?" And he just kind of like had this, his like eyes blew up and he's just like, I don't even know what to say anymore. He's like, you know, I'm sitting on the bench. I'm like, that's a good play. Oh, that's a good play. Hey, really good play. Hey, that's a nice play. Wow, what a play. And when I'm rewatching these games, this is what I feel about Blake Quorum's runs where you're watching and be like, oh, that's a really nice run. Eight yards. He should have had three. 
oh man, look at that spin. Wow, what a, what a play there. Oh, he just dragged three guys. Remember when we didn't think he could be a short yardage back? <laughs> yeah. What a run. Like, oh, he just ran away from 20 guys. Oh, you know, this play was well blocked, but then he lost the entire secondary. Like, I don't even know. Like, my notes are just like, really good run. Really good run. Really good run. Wow, that's I, a great run. I feel like Josh Manson. I mean, yeah. I'm turning to the guy next to me through the whole game being like, this guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's no, I mean, we don't even, there, there are podcasts we've had this year where we almost don't even talk about him because you've said, yeah. I don't even know what to say. Well, I mean, the, I wrote a 12,000-word UFR on the, on the bye week, and I didn't even talk about Corum. Because, because, like, what is there to say? There isn't anything. He's just Blake Corum. I mean, there's the occasional thing where it's like, ah, oh, well, he should have, he missed that cut. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, no, he, no, he trips, right? He trips yeah. on a run, and he gets up, and he's like, my fault, guys. He starts tapping his yeah. chest, and he's yeah. like, my fault. That's on me. Well, or, or he fumbles, picks it back up again, and keeps running. Or, well, well he caught it, it up. He kind, of, yeah. he kind of popped it up. Popped yeah. it up and yeah. caught it in the air, yeah. That, that was, like, the only scary moment. But, I mean, that was one of the things, by the way. State was, uh, like, Trying to strip all game. Like, that was their strategy wow. in this game. Yeah. So so I did have a question for you while we're talking about the running game. And, Seth, you might know this, too, because I don't. When was the last time Michigan had this amount of success or anything r- approaching this amount of success on the ground against Michigan? 2003. Perry? I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking. Well, I mean, they came into this game, and it was clear that they're rushed. And the thing is, on the first play, they double – Slade, and they put him five yards downfield, and that's a seven-yard run. And you're like, this is not last year. And maybe Slade isn't all the way back, but, you know, you got Ulubati and Keegan at the start. Uh, Slade uh, looked all the way back. I think most of the runs, Slade was like two yards in the backfield, he did, everybody else he did pushed down. No, he, he, got, he got washed a lot. But he did stack and shed Keegan mm-hmm. on, on one of those uh, failed red zone possessions. Pretty impressive. So maybe he is all the way back. But, but I mean— it's been a long time. I mean, I mean, Michigan has beaten Michigan State, but it's not necessarily because they've just ran them into the ground. Well, isn't this the series where it's like whoever rushes more yards wins? Right, but this isn't rushing for more yards. This, no, is, this I mean, they had two hundred and seventy-six. The total final yards. test for how nonsense PFF's OL grading is. Oh, is it out yet? Have anyone seen? No, it? I don't know. It's, I, I, but I'm just going to look at this, and if it's not a total blowout for Michigan State's offensive line, I mean Michigan's offensive line, I'm because as we'll get in on the defensive side, like Chris Jenkins whooped their asses, and they had a, a play here or there. Michigan State did, but the trenches was a blowout, and the problem once you got into the red zone was often like that. They just didn't trust the fact that they could blow these guys off the ball. Well, Michigan State also started putting everybody within five to eight yards of the line. Yeah, but that doesn't – I mean, like – so there's the first possession where you're at the four and you ask Ronnie Bell to come across and be the split zone blocker and he just runs by. And then, yeah. And to me, that's like, why are we doing this in the red zone? Yeah. Like, yeah. like there are some parts of the field where it's okay to be incredibly predictable and first and goal from the four, that's okay. And that should be a tight end. And it shouldn't be motion. It should just be like we're gonna inside zone yeah. or duo or something. We're gonna like duo, that. Yeah. and then we're gonna see what you know. State had a good Corum answer for that too. So I mean, what Michigan is doing is the Ravens thing, which is supposed to screw your numbers up. So we we can't get that technical on a podcast. I'm just I'm just, um, I'm just I, that's all I need to say is that okay. Michigan was trying to Ravens it, and State had scouted it, and, and but had there's really no answer. reason to not just go goal and just beef up. And, go after the defensive ends and stuff who haven't been able to hold up. And then you get the 
they have an arc read from like four on another drive. And I was like, that's not, you can't run that at that spot on the field. Yeah, because the safety is too close. Right, yeah. Right. So, well, that's, I mean, they ran two zone reads or, or McCarthy reads where he, where he ran the ball. And both times, I thought it was decently well blocked. They just had an extra guy. And you're like, well, this is what happens when the safety walks down. Right. And you have a guy for the quarterback. I mean, that's the whole point is like you have to account for the quarterback. But unless then when you do. Unless you're full on Shea Patterson holding the ball is the impossible. <laughs> which, in, is not, which is not the case. Inside the 10, your QB run game needs to be just QB counter, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It can't be optioning off a guy and hoping that the 11th guy on the defense is far enough away. He's playing in the end zone by himself where there are no wide receivers. Right. If you're not so, throwing the ball, just throw in an orgy and like have a package around him. Well, I mean, you don't necessarily need to do that. They had the... They had the attempted quarterback draw where they buddy out. They had the quads and whatever, and that got three yards from like the eight on second and down. And the defensive yeah. end made a pretty good play to kind of get off. Uh, yeah, I like, mean that that was that was a reasonably play call. Just mm-hmm. someone made a play. The touchdown actually, they had a tackle out there, and Corum just ran by the guy like <laughs> on the the pop pass. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean that's that's the design of the play. It's like is defensive end really keep Tackles, his edge? But, but yeah. But so, given the way this scheme was shaped, I was like, you know, just throw the tight ends out there and keep it simple. Hammer away. Yeah, and like I feel like the issues that they had in the red zone were largely play call. Um, and then asking guys to do things that aren't entirely natural. I know that Ronnie Bell's a great blocker, but this is the second time this year that they've asked him to make a block in a really you know, key circumstance. You know who else is a good just, blocker? Max Bredesen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, you just keep bringing your wide receiver in, keep bringing your wide receiver keep bringing your wide receiver in, and eventually it's just bites you. What I was trying – my point about the Ravens thing is that the, re- the reason the Ravens do that is it's, it, it's for explosive. And that's how you get the, the – um, I mean, that's how they get their quarterback running game going. That's how they get big runs out of their – if you're down in the red zone, it doesn't work anymore because all you're doing is shifting one safety over. They have another guy for that at that yeah. point. Yeah. And, so, there's, and there, you don't need an explosive inside the 10. Yeah, that's you can't have an <laughs> you explosive. can't have an explosive, right? And then right. When except they, a negative explosive. After after the botched punt snap, they just like, all right, we're just going to run quorum twice and then they score. And it's like that's what they got on their other. Yeah, team. I mean, mm-hmm. at that point, the game is pretty much. I know, done, but the first touchdown they got was the same thing. Where it's just like, all right, we're going to simplify this and get down to the yeah run our yeah. I mean, the G series is great. Like they have that you know where they have the down G and they kick. Well, that that's that I think I, somehow I think they got spooked by what happened against Penn State. But if you actually look at that play, honestly, that should have been a touchdown. Yeah. Or at least down to the one. Or yeah, like one of those grind things where like you know he's deadlifting people. With well, the I mean, if it's and so should have the Edwards uh, on the first drive, right? Where McCarthy, McCarthy misses Edwards on the pass. Like you you wrote in the UFR where they oh, had Penn State. Yeah, I mean, so some of these plays. They're there, right? So you don't have to yeah. get too cute. The things you call, sometimes it doesn't work because a guy misses a play. Okay. But call again. Yeah. And, and this is University of Michigan, man. We've had over 100 years of running that exact kind of offense. <laughs> like, go, those uh, playbooks are still good for that kind of, if you need to get three, four yards per play. And they're right there in the Bentley Library. Well, I mean, it's just, I thought that you'd go into this game and you'd be like, well, those defensive tackles are really good. So, like, plan for to get in the red zone was like, they're just winning up front. And maybe that was the problem. Maybe mm-hmm. they went into this game expecting that, you know, first and goal from the one university is going to be really good once you get inside the five and other stuff. Mm-hmm. And that turned out to not be the case. And they, they just didn't get off. So, overthought their themselves. Plan. Well, I mean, I, like, honestly, going into the game, that was our main concern, right? Mm-hmm. And it turned out that. Uh, a large part of that was overblown. Was, uh, Michigan dominated. Everybody. I mean, that's like everybody now. I mean, that's you start looking at that, and I don't, 
I mean, I don't know. At some point, I just got a weird look on my face, and I was like, I'm starting to believe that we might be able to run the ball on November 26th. And well, I'm just kind of like... We'll talk about this in the Jamie segment a lot, but yeah, I think... I mean... I mean, Penn's, I don't know if I can handle this. <laughs> Penn State was... Lucy! <laughs> yeah, I know, right? You're just like... That's, that's, that's 2021 talk. This is 2022. I, I, I mean, I agree. I, I, yeah. We're going through a period where we're like... This is really good football. I mean, and the things I think that we really wanted Harbaugh to do on offense. I mean, yeah, the speed and space and, and, and the spread stuff. But I mean, now, I mean, they're just moving people. And all of the obstacles that have like sat in Michigan's way, well, we can't do it in this situation. We can't do it against this team. We can't, are just becoming not true anymore. Yeah. And I mean, it helps that Michigan State is bad at football. Sure, but they but even the years they were bad, they always had like that interior defensive line or a front seven yeah. or something. Now you could expose them in other ways, and, and and Michigan did. But this is just like okay, you know the thing that you're better at than us and and have been for years. Now you're not. Yeah. Speaking of exposed, turns out uh, bouncing your UNLV transfer between defensive end and middle linebacker is not <laughs> a good plan. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So Jacoby Who could have Whitman, seen that coming? <laughs> yeah. Jacoby Whitman looked like Craig Rowe out there playing linebacker. And oh, Craig Rowe. That's not Craig Rowe's fault. Craig Rowe was defensive end, and he knew it. And mm-hmm. he had to tell. And he was fine. He had to tell his coaches he's, that he he's was transferring. The, he's literally unless, the guy that talks anyway, about defensive we don't, line play. We don't, need to, we don't need to get into this. But Jacoby Whitman was repeatedly victimized by Edwards and Schoonmaker because he just can't move in space. Yep. And mm-hmm. they tried to replace Ben Van Sumeren with the guy who would be better able in space. It didn't happen. No. So that part of the game plan was was excellent. And then Michigan State was just playing so soft, though. Like, yeah. like they had two safeties at 12, 13 mm-hmm. yards. And they'd insert one guy into the box from time to time to try to get a little bit of... Uh, run, ex- stop? Yeah, extra numbers in the box. <laughs> stop, Corb. But when they do that, their their corners are suddenly playing cover three. And so you, you're only you're only adding one guy to a box, and it's pretty much an even box. Like, this was the most passive Michigan State run defense I've seen. And, and I know they have to do that. It could suck. But <laughs> it was just amazing just watching, like, Michigan two tight ends. Like, is that a six-man box? What is this? What is going on? And so... You know, a lot of what Michigan was able to do was because Roman Wilson is frightening to them. And, I mean, we haven't seen Michigan take a shot in a long time. Man. But that's because they're not there. Well, well they, they tried to take one they, on the yeah, flea flicker. the flea flicker, and, and then, then they were just holding Roman yeah, Wilson Yeah, and then they the just tackled. The, uh, the, this, there were, the safety was behind him, though, too. So, I mean, that's the, because, the guy. That's because the guy was holding uh, him. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, that was that was just a freakishly bad no call. But, I mean, it's a great play by McCarthy to, like, yeah. you know, instead of – Throwing it and trying to hope for a flag after that, he's like, "Okay, I'm going to roll out." He made his uh, he made his angle better and hit Ronnie Bell, and Michigan moves the ball. And there were a couple times he missed those uh, missed those second opportunities. There were a lot of times like, "Like, oh no, nobody's open. Why'd we throw that?" And then if you look like Schoonmaker's coming open on a dig behind that, like that that was always open against Michigan State, and like he just he didn't go to the third read. The throw the throw to Anthony on the sideline that I mm-hmm. think was caught but out of bounds. Roman Wilson was the level lower, and yes. he was about two or steps behind, and he was wide open. Yeah. yeah, that was unfortunate. The well, you can see the like conservativeness and passivity in McCarthy's scramble because two or three times in this game he was just like, oh, there's one guy within 20 yards of the line of scrimmage, and it's Cal Halliday. <laughs> so yeah. I got this. He's yeah. tough. He doesn't wear gloves. I, have that, <laughs> I was just like, why would that be an asset? 
I have equipment that could help me do football, but I eschew it because I've got an old timey mustache, but it doesn't even have that. I mean, I mean, there are people that don't use batting gloves and stuff. I mean, there's just people have feels for things. I don't well, know. Batting gloves, really... batting gloves are, are, are like not something that are just inherently superior to like because you're not trying to catch. Like the equivalent is like I'm going to play outfield without a mitt. Because, like, Cal Halliday gets his hands on balls and he could catch balls, but instead he just wants to be cold. He's tough. And, like, not have any grip on his hands. Spartan strong. Spartan grit. Dogs. (laughs) So as soon as, as, like, you hear that, you're like, oh, that guy can't move. Yeah, he's he's a Spartan. That's just your your initial takeaway of just, like, like, oh, yeah. Anyway, the very second that he sees the Spartan dog go chasing after his wide receiver, McCarthy is just off. There was one that I'm not sure wasn't a QB draw. It was so fast. So there were a couple. One of them I couldn't tell. One of them I think was definitely a draw. The other one was... The one in the red zone was definitely a draw. The other one was like, oh, I don't know. It was a read? I, I, I think it was a read. I think that the that if you get a five-man box like that and the Spartan dog runs after the receiver, then there's nobody there. So all you do is like, okay, go. So like That was his first read. So on a draw, on a QB draw, do receivers run routes or do they run a route that sets up a block? Usually the the latter, but in okay because in this case that then then it probably was a read or improvised. But because now but now it's the land of RPOs. So like, for even for like a QB draw, sure, why not? Okay, like we've established that running around is often just as good or better than actually a block, right? Right. So okay, because on those runs you had guys downfield that were turning and like hey and. He's just like running, and you're, so they're like, "Oh, I guess I could better go find yeah, somebody." Yeah, if this is 1985, I'd be like, "Oh, that's definitely like a scramble." But it's, yeah. it's 2022. He also so. picked up the first down, the fourth down, the fourth and three. That's like what we were that was about. that was the that was that, the one no, where he, like the no that was the, that was later. Yeah, that was the one we were talking about. Was like he got 21 yards on a I don't know standard down or something, yeah. but. But yeah, but then that's so he picked up. I yeah. think three really nice. I thought these were like in sequence, like they were pretty close. Well, there was a second and eleven. He picked up. There was a third and seven. He picked up, and then mm-hmm. he picked up the fourth and yeah, right. Um, total of fifty rushing, despite not actually intended. on the ones that they wanted. Yeah. <laughs> and, he did, and he didn't slide on the one where a guy was coming to hit him. The one was head first. I tweeted at you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like six people tweeted at me. I, this is my all pi offense. Yeah, and um, then and then the next play, he he. Then slides he, feet first. Now, I, I want to say something about that because you, you have a strong take on diving head first. You think that that's safer and better uh-huh. in a lot of ways. And I almost always agree with you. The one time I thought his feet first slide was the correct one and because and, I watch like Kyler Murray with the Cardinals a lot and he does that. But what he does is he slides way early. Like not too early, but to the point of where there's no one that's going to hit him when you slide like that. Like someone's going to have to try to way go out of their way to do it. It's not going to be like, a, oh, I got to go get this guy. And the one, the, the feet first slide I thought for McCarthy was perfect because he could see everything in front of him. He knew no one was going to hit him. And so he got down, you know, a couple yards earlier. And there were two guys coming at him at that time. So he was going to take a shot. I thought it was, I was fine with that one. Yeah. The one where he went head first. If he'd gone on a slide, he would have gotten lit up with. It. He would have got the guy would have gotten thrown off a target with, with a head first slide. It would have been a head, yeah, yeah, because someone was coming right across his body. And, and there were when two he guys. Head yeah. first, the guy ends up going over his back. I don't. I don't think it was, but it was definitely. And then he goes head first, and I, and I just don't think that you should be risking a baseball slide ever. I just think. Well, I I think that it's like your <clears throat> your thing about punting and and bunting, right? Is like don't do it, but then there are certain contexts where it's okay, and that's. 
I just think it's hard to like get that right. All because that's probably true. I will know, give you that, especially you're, guys coming in from the side and your peripheral vision. You're right. You don't know. It, it it that is it to find that line can be very difficult. So we should talk about McCarthy's performance as a passer. Uneven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was really good finding Schoonmaker. He made a couple of plays on the move, but he throws behind Bell on that drag route on second and five. That was a catch and run that probably sets Michigan up. And then again, um, had some issues targeting guys who were covered. I didn't think the red zone pass to Schoonmaker was a bad pass. Blackledge was saying that. No. Because like if that's higher or closer to Schoonmaker, Windman's going to actually break that up. So. so I charted that as more of a neutral. I, watch, I rewatched the game till the touchdown that made it 29-7, and then it was 3 a.m., and I decided to go to bed. So I try to, like, mark things as, like, a, a really nice play, a neutral play, or a bad play. And for passing, I had him at, like, four nice pass plays, seven neutrals, and then nine negatives. And the one that I kept rewinding and going back and, and looking at was the one you're talking about where the, the schoonmaker in the end zone. And I thought if you rewatch it, that's the only place schoonmaker has a chance to catch the ball. No, to me, that's the, that's a, it might not be a throw. Right. Like yeah. That's where it needs there, to be. The, the throw, I mean, there was a timing throw. While one guy over, now I'm blanking on who it was. It might have been Wilson. I don't remember who it was. I mean, but there was a timing throw op- opportunity at one side over. Um, but once he's locked into that, you can't sit around in the red zone and, like, look if your thing's not there. You just kind of have also, to. Also, it's play. like Schoonmaker's been whipping up on Wim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's that's a good decision. And then it is actually not time. And the throw's where it needs. Yeah. So, but. <clears throat> But yeah, I he definitely missed a number of throws where you're kind of like mm. yeah, and there there are a couple situations where it's like oh well that's not really McCarthy like the the throw to Anthony on the sideline like that's supposed to be a little flat to Bell but Anthony doesn't run his route right okay and so the pick doesn't happen the rub the rub do we need there. to edit that or I, no no okay no. <laughs> where and and then you know McCarthy's got to improvise because stupid little check down that goes for buzz in there again though there was a um, there was a tight end coming in. Open, like that was Loveland actually that time. But there was a dig coming open behind that. I know, but so when the primary read is the flat and it's supposed to be rubbed and you're on the move and then you have to figure out something else, yeah, it's going to be a difficult play because yeah. you're moving, you're coming off your first read, you get, he's got pressure. I, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what that's going to be, but I'm not too down on down on him about that. But his accuracy was again not quite where it was early in the season. Like he misses Bell high on that one throw. Yeah, he threw behind him on like his first pass. Yeah, yeah. and so there's like, yeah, I, I I wonder if maybe he was a little amped early on because like the probably throw to, throw to Bell uh, later on, like the big chunk play, like that. I, I couldn't. You cannot throw that any better. No, that was that was his no, best throw of the night. I guess I was a little surprised we weren't seeing more of that. But I was like, oh yeah, Blake Corum. Never mind. <laughs> he also had that weird like bail into pressure move where he kind of like naked bootlegs himself into the other yeah, guy I mean, and then had to chuck it away. Yeah. And then my buddy next to me is basically like, well, that freaked out Harbaugh. We're going to run the ball now. That, <laughs> that one was on Donovan Edwards. Edwards is supposed to pick up the linebacker who's blitzing. Well, and Edwards just gets shoved right back into the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, but he's also, you know, flipping behind him blindly. Right. Mm-hmm. If he bails to the left side instead of the right, he has space. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything there, but it got a little bit scary when he's blindly turning yeah. into another guy. Yeah, so that's, yeah, you get lit up and fumble and not do that. Did you think he checked down too fast at times? Like there were, there were other, like there was a play that he threw to Loveland, that maybe that was mm-hmm. the one you were talking about, but... It looked like, at least from my view, that there were guys starting to come open down the field. Uh, 
and I that and that throw throw to Loveland was quick. Like it was there, out there very were, fast. There were a couple of those early on. I and I mean that was one of the things I was a little bit disappointed about, just because who Michigan State is. Like if you let them sit in coverage for a while. Um, <clears throat> well, I, I think the the Loveland one though, where he dropped it. I mean that's that's just a battery because he right. he thinks that Loveland is clearing the whoever his coverage guy is, but it's like covered, so he's about to give it up. But you also have. Guys, maybe breaking open so, for more catching and yeah, running yards. A primary read, okay, nominally open, misreads the coverage, throws it. Okay, so okay, I see what you mean. So yes, he shouldn't have thrown that ball, but the process isn't like, oh, I should let these guys come open because this guy's not yeah. open. It's like this guy's open. Oh wait, he's not. So, <laughs> and, and like I said, the one, the third in, uh, goal from the eight. I thought that was just a bad play call. Yeah, I mean, you got one guy in the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> that's bad. Yeah. Um, that whole sequence was a little I mean, bad. honestly, third and eight, let's like throw Andrew Anthony out there and run the fade, right? Like, yeah. As a, are these, are these if, very good corners? I mean, they, no. they definitely coached a lot of this game in we can only lose if we have six turnovers uh-huh. yeah. mode. And so there was definitely an emphasis not putting J.J. in situation. Still, I'd rather just single up a guy – on, mm-hmm. and on the boundary and just be like, Let's see if that works on third and eight. Or, I mean, run a pick play. That's what a lot of teams do against <clears throat> defense like that. Like, run a pick and have your speedy receiver, like Roman Wilson, coming across the formation. Good luck. But weren't well, they in zone a lot? We saw what happens when Andrew Anthony tries to moss these defensive backs last year. Mm-hmm. So that, that, to me, is like a situation where, like, let's try Those that. are from further out, though. Yeah, no, but, but it's just a speed play at that point. You know, it's just like. Do I do I think that this is a better idea than throwing it three yards to a tight end? Yeah. yeah. If they want to play cover two in the end zone, uh, okay. We're just going to, you know, J.J. will sit there until he can either chuck it into somebody or, you know, run it. Like, you can't play cover. You, you cannot play zone defense down low. Like, that's that doesn't. Well, you can bracket yeah, a you guy. Can bracket, yeah, but, that... but if you do bracket a guy, better have a good read like Michigan. So we're going to take a break, come back, and talk about that. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. We have a lot in common. We both went to Michigan. We're both huge fans, but I'm concerned about how much time you're spending on Michigan football recruiting. This could be time spent with me pouring over your cash flow and Roth conversion strategy. How are these Roth conversions going to get done with you spending all your time and energy on MGO Blog looking at the next five-star recruits? Hey, all kidding aside, if you're addicted to MGO Blog and you want to outsource some of your financial planning to an expert, consider us, peakwm.com slash blog. At Peak, we work with people in a variety of situations. Some of our clients are young professionals looking to optimize their savings and investments. For young people, time is the key. Some of our clients are super affluent trying to figure out when they can retire. Some are high net worth retirees looking for a second opinion on how their money's working for them. Get your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. Passion for e-commerce. Sell stuff online. Security. Performance. Conversion. Beautiful user experiences. Bella experience. Utilizador. Monthly marketing. PPC SEO. Make your user a customer. Con- 
Auto Perfume for online retailers. Love your website. Let Human Elements show you how. Available at human-element.com and find apartment stores, not find apartment stores. This is Matt Demrest, the owner of HomeShare Lending. We're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease. People don't get mortgages very often, so it can be confusing. We'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense. And at the end of the day, if we're not giving you the best deal, we'll tell you to go with the other company. We're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance. This is Seth Fisher from MGO Blog. Over the years, we've sent dozens of readers to use HomeShare Lending, and every review that's come back has been raving. I myself use them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank. I was amazed how much smoother the process was for our company. Loan. Brian used them, you should use them too. Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to homesurelending.com, that's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E, lending.com, slash mgoblog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me, kind of an annual tradition, Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you? Nine. Can I get a Go Blue! Go Blue! NMLS number 1161358, Equal Housing Lender. Mel Tucker after a correct call. <laughs> like that level. We cannot have takes that are because it's gonna be is that too hot, or is it just? We're like gonna hot? get arrested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Only because it's Washington County. Seth, give me your hottest take. If you win an award twice, they have to rename it after you. Okay. So if Jake Moody wins the Rosa. Yeah. It's the Moody. It's award. the Moody Award. Yeah. Because oh. who cares about Luke Rosa? Does anyone remember Lou Groza? Oh, Craig's going to listen no, to this podcast. He's so mad. Has anyone won it twice? Has anyone won it twice? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Sebastian Janikowski. Uh-huh. And you're just guessing. And, and he no. was smoking. No, he did. He was... And if it was called the Sebastian Janikowski Award right now, everyone yeah. would be like, yeah. That, okay, I got right. a problem. No, it would be the Seabass Award. I got, <laughs> we got, because then the Heisman is the Archie Griffin Award. Can't do that. Right. No, no, the Heisman. Well, no, because Heisman won it three times. So, oh, did he? Well, no, he was going to win a Heisman. He, he, he was like the best name. He Heisman. Uh, John Heisman was like the best player in college football for like seven years. Why he didn't win the Heisman? He they, they, it was named after him because he was the best player in football for seven years straight. But he didn't win the award. You can't. Okay, that's well, how good he was. He won the award yeah, that was named after himself. We don't have to do it retroactively. Okay. Okay. It's just just from now on. If you win it, so like if the this is the best offensive line in the country again, we'll just change it from the Joe Moore Award to the Sharon Moore Award. 
Oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Wait, if if you told me Lou Groza only had like half a foot, I'd be like, yeah, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> if you wait, no, no. If you told me that Lou Groza was the one who sleeps with the fishes in Godfather One, I'd be like, hey, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, if he also he kicked was... from straight on, didn't he? I don't. He, 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 we I don't think, know. I think he was the right. He was also the right tackle because he Craig. played. Ask he, Craig. Yeah. Well, I've been there. All right. So if he was three hundred pounds, then I might understand. Well, he also played as the I believe the right tackle. Yeah, but right tackles back then were like five eleven, one ninety five. Okay. Right. We've spent too much time talking about Lou Groves on this podcast. Randy, give me your hottest take. The most frustrating thing about yesterday was that James Franklin is right. That tunnel is dangerous. <laughs> it's only dangerous when Michigan State players are in it. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, but like, I, it, of course, the most important thing is that you know these guys get prosecuted, and Michigan State State's probably not going to do anything. It's going to be really interesting to see them worm their way out of yeah. actually disciplining these kids, but. The fact that James Franklin was like something dangerous could happen up there, and then it did. I'm like, like damn you! At this on the same day, he's like, how can I lose this Ohio State game in the stupidest way possible? Oh I was like, all of all the things you had to be right about James, it had to be that instead of your yeah. play calling in the red zone against Ohio State. Oh my god, so true, so true. Jason, give me your hottest take. Brian Cook was too cocky last week. <laughs> <laughs> what? Let me explain. Just last right, week. So the, I mean, over this past week leading up to this game. I love it, Brian, when you have confidence. I do think as a fan base, there was a lot of talk of, we're going to put our foot on their neck. It's going to be a blowout. I was reading a J.J. McCarthy quote that they put up on the screen. We're not going to let up. We're not going to stop. We're going to put our foot on the gas all game. Um. The foot was kind of on the gas. I mean, I'm super happy with the win, but, I mean, we definitely didn't, like, blow them to oblivion and embarrass them. Hey, I have to disagree with you. Brian Cook's prediction on the Friday <laughs> podcast was 29 to 10. Am I right? Brian, am I right? Well, that's and correct. Also, and also he thought, you, you thought they were going to go for that. a field goal on that fourth. Alex and I were rooting for the sad field goal so hard. Yeah, no. Dave wanted a sad field goal. Dave wanted a sad well, And Brian did say the worst thing Michigan could do would, would be to get down to the one-yard line, and they did that basically four times. So, yeah, so. You are correct on that. But it, there was just a moment where not necessarily Brian, but the entire fan base was like, we're going to put 60 up on these losers. And it's like, I don't think Michigan – can do that yet. I don't yeah. think Michigan so, wanted to do that. Well, it's just they, they had some breakdowns in the red zone, and that's why it wasn't pretty lopsided. You know what the problem is? You thought Cornelius Johnson was the first rounder of the season. I was going to make – that was my other hot take. <laughs> that was my other hot take. I Brian, mean, I, it hasn't, hasn't really transpired. He was really good last year. I don't know. He had the worst game ever yesterday. Yeah, that was not, not, not a, a great outing for Cornelius Forget. Johnson. Dave, give me your hottest take. Harbaugh now considers Michigan State like Rutgers in Indiana because he doesn't really need to do anything specific and special. Oh, <laughs> that's interesting. You're like running on the yeah. third and eleven, where it's just like, ah, oh, we'll just. Well, like the they got super conservative in the red zone because yeah. you're like, all right, we're going to try to run it. We have the best running back in America. If he scores, great. If not, we're just going to kick well, the I, hell out of my him. My problem is that they didn't do that. They're like, okay, we're going to have. Jay well, I mean, they they ran the ball a number of times. I mean, they ran it with Corum. They ran it with McCarthy, which was like. We have already talked about that. No. And, you know, they just they 
game plan was pretty conservative for the most part. And I think, I mean, we talked about this too, but like it's because they thought that the best chance that Michigan State had was if they gave them points. Mm. And they didn't do that, um, despite the one little fumble. And so now, I, I mean, I agree with like what they were saying earlier about, okay, we didn't crush them, but they kind of did anyway. Yeah. Just it, like they normally have done to Indiana Rutgers and whatever is like, yeah, Michigan State maybe is a little bit better, and so they can stop them in the red zone. But other than that, I mean, they had seven scoring drives. We didn't have a July drive in this game or anything. Like, well, they tried. They, they had a July, July two plays, and no, then no, they no. then Michigan they took State penalties. Michigan, oh, yeah. Michigan, like, right. Thought like, oh god, like you know, they've been focusing on this is the red letter game. They don't care about, but like, yeah, there Michigan was, played their game. There was yeah. the one uh, play to Roman Wilson where it was like, oh, misdirection. Well, that should have worked. But other yeah, than that, was, right. They yeah. they sniffed out a couple of things. A- Alex and I kind of talked about this, and I mean, it was sort of his original idea, and I was like, you know what, this makes a lot of sense. Do you know what else didn't happen this game? Michigan State ended the game with three timeouts. Ooh, they could have called timeouts on the. You the mean end Michigan? No, Michigan. Oh, say, oh. Michigan State was down twenty-two points with like two minutes left, and traditional Michigan State uses those timeouts. That's Tom Izzo. That's Tom Izzo being down like twelve and, and being Mark like, all right, Antonio. we're gonna foul now. It's like, yeah. I, I mean, I wonder if they're gonna have like that's gonna be the meeting. Like they're not gonna be mad about the players in the tunnel. Michigan State's gonna be like, Mel, you use those timeouts. We're Michigan State. You know, the interesting thing is in that press conference with Tucker is he said they asked him what he said to his players in the locker room, and he's like, well. I told him they're better than us today. They're better at football than we were today. And I was like, wow, he's not making an excuse for that, or he's not coming up with some reason as to like why they got unlucky or something. Well, that's why he's well, he a horseshit football coach. But, but State does that all the time. Yeah. I mean, defeated with dignity, right? Yeah, no dignity here. No. Well, yeah. definitely not. They made it almost to the locker room with dignity. <laughs> almost. <laughs> they're they were 10 steps away from <laughs> They fought hard. They fought hard all the way yeah. into the all the way into they the fought tunnel. hard in the tunnel. All right, here we go. Yeah, the go Michigan ahead, State players who beat up on McBurrows, their punishment shall be permanent placement on the Michigan State roster. <laughs> <laughs> they are never allowed to leave. <laughs> Fifty years from now, they're gonna be like a Russian mobilized soldier. Holding an AK-47 from 1970 and trying to put on their helmet when the arthritis kicks up, and then they got to go out there and cover kickoffs. There's, this already oh, yeah. happens. You remember? You know, like this team has like eighth-year seniors. That That's true. Everybody. I'm talking about a 58-year senior. <laughs> Thirteen. That's true. <laughs> no exit for Michigan they State prob- players. This is probably like their attempt to get out. Hell like, is other Spartans. <laughs> you're going to jail in Washington County. He's like, I've been stuck in East Lansing for nine years. <laughs> Deal with it. All right, if you can't get enough sclaras, hit up their Patreon. Hit up View from the Cheap Seats, their podcast. Hit up the Nosebleeds, which is on UFC Fight Pass. And I think that's all I got. <laughs> that's it. All right. Don't, don't hit us up in a don't hit no. us up in a tunnel anymore. If they're in a tunnel, leave them alone. Leave us alone. All right, great guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. That was so awesome. All right, so Michigan State did exactly one thing in this game. Which was heave the ball to Keon Coleman. Yeah, he's huge. And uh He looks like a player. Well yeah. I mean he's six foot four and he's allowed to like offensively pass interfere on two huge catches. So Oh uh, yeah. So the the touchdown to Jamon Green he does get pushed off on. And then the uh the big catch and run where DJ Turner is like 
yeah. five yards off. Do you think that that was push off? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, when's the last time you saw DJ Turner that far off on a hit? Well, that was my first thought. I just couldn't see it on the replay. Yeah, no, he definitely pushes off. Okay. Yeah. He's such a big dude that when he pushes off, he just gets a l- enough leverage that a guy like DJ Turner, who's like I really thought, 10, I really thought the second one would get called because the touchdown. No, no, no. Because no, the, 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 the touchdown, he gets away with it. But then, I mean, the ref's got to be like, oh, yeah, that I should probably need a makeup call somewhere in here. And that should have been. So, I mean. Do you want to get into conspiracy Twitter? Because everyone thinks that no, line judges against us. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Um, Wait, what? No. <laughs> just mute him for just no, a second. No, no, no. You I pick up your you phone in there. and call Craig. And you have this conversation with Craig. Not on the podcast. <laughs> All right. I was so, fun of it, Brian. And then, and then in the second half, Michigan's just like that's not happening. And yeah. So they just put they put a safety over the top, and, and Rod Moore makes a play. Harbaugh even said that in the pot, in the presser, I think. Well, and you're allowed to do that against Michigan State because they don't have anything else. Yeah. And so the concern there is like, okay, Jamon Green historically in his career has been in the right place, but unable to make plays on the ball. Right. That crops up as a major problem in Ohio State is. And Michigan cannot afford to bracket whoever Jamon Green's dude is against Ohio State. Yeah. Because they have seven of them. Seven receivers, and they have a very good ground game. And it's just not, you know. Debatable ground game. Well, they have a much better ground game than Michigan State. Well, that's not saying a whole lot. <laughs> Respect to Ohio State's running backs. They are good. I mean, mine Williams really he got hurt. I know, but he'll he'll be back. And Trevian Henderson, like, yeah, even I mean, when you get him in the backfield, on. it's like that guy's feet. They, like, Alec, ah! Alex was like, I've yet to see him break a tackle. Penn State has uh, did give them a bit of the business, but there's just no comparison to ground game. This Michigan yeah. is dedicating extra guys to the passing game. They're going to need some superhero performances on the line. Anyway, so as soon as you take that away in the second half, it's they, they have, what, 42 seconds of possession in the third quarter? They ran three plays, three plays, five plays. And then that's when I stopped watching into the fourth quarter at 29-7. Right. So, that, I mean, they literally had nothing. There are two running backs combined for about two yards a carry. Exactly. Collins way better than Berger. I have no idea why they're not yeah. starting that He guy. actually had a few nice runs. They're and the then got guy. No, they get up. They get up a little bit of steam and they get yards after No, because Berger doesn't. Berger, like, puts his shoulder. Berger's the one who got, like, um, stuffed on the fourth and one. That like, wasn't his fault. That was all right. Uh, well, and Macari Page. There's another time too. Mozzie Berger, Smith like, goes ate sideways. Him. Well, no, that was well fourth and one in the red zone. We got multiple fourth multiple fourth and one. I'm talking about the first fourth the, and one. The Mozzie like, Smith. That's not yeah, on him. He's got like six guys tackling him. Yeah. And then the the second one, Chris Jenkins flashes across. <laughs> he gets like seven <laughs> yards deep in his and behind it's, the play. It's, yeah. it's absolutely hilarious because he's flashing across and he's like immediately before the play's even over, he's like looking behind himself, like, did I do it? And he did. <laughs> and Chris Jenkins had a, a, a great game. So there's yes. a there's a stretch play they run where they add a tight end, and I'm like, whoa, Michigan is not aligned for this. Uh-huh. And Chris Jenkins first climbs over a lineman who's trying to reach block him and then climbs over the lead blocker and stuffs it. And I'm like, uh, I like that play. I don't know if that's two or three. I, I need – I But I think it's three. I think it's I, – I, You're so happy, Brian. Let me tell you something. I saw the same thing, and I'm kind of mad that you brought it up because like, the guy I was sitting with was like, oh, you're going to put that in UFR, aren't you? Like, <laughs> I'm like, yes, I am. And the, I mean, there were th- probably two or three other run plays where Chris Jenkins was the main re- – it got – stuffed and like mozzie smith is a real good player jenkins is right there with him. and neither of them are mohurst 
They don't get a whole lot of rush out of them. But in terms of just like two defensive tackles who you need to stuff the run, they're probably the best. I mean, my notes for Jenkins are got off block, stuff, tackle short of sticks, stuff, stuff, TFL. This is how this is my UFR of him all season. He's yeah. been grading out way better than Mozzie's. Uh, well, well and Ma- Mozzie had a nice game too. Mazzie, yeah, but it's like Jenkins has been grading out Michigan's best player, and they're getting they're both getting doubles. They're both getting the same kinds of opportunities. Mozzie gets more though. <laughs> he does. He's a larger, looks like a larger person. But yeah. Jenkins does benefit from the fact that everybody's like, oh god. Uh, that's fair, but I. I think the number one thing preventing me from a shield on Jenkins right now is that the NFL might notice. All right. Uh, that's incredibly arrogant, but okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, Morris had another sack. So he's at what, like six? Something like that. So yeah. so Hutchinson ended with, with like 13? Uh-huh. Is that what it was? I mean, Morris has a not a terrible shot at getting 10. Yeah. He, that that's. I mean, that's a really nice year, isn't it? I mean, the pressure in this game was pretty disappointing. Sure. So... Overall. And that follows on from the Penn State game. Yeah, it's the Clifford treatment. But at some point... But the second halves are changing in these games, right? Like, they're getting more pressure in the second half of Penn State. They got more pressure in the second and half of Michigan State. they put out there a lot more in the second half. He was, they were using a lot more up I mean, shot. there really wasn't very much second half for Michigan to perform <laughs> in. No, but it was mostly passing downs. Yeah. Um, it's, I, here's here's where I always notice if it's Morris and Upshaw as the two edges, it's really on the defensive tackles. Like those guys, and they are don't really kind of like squeezing do that that much. No. no, like so. I mean, I think it is is a concern because we're like, oh, Colorado State, oh, we can really rush the passer. Oh, Indiana, we can really rush the passer. And in the last two weeks, haven't really been getting there. Mm-mm. And we're starting to glance down the road at Ohio State. C.J. Stroud's big weakness is he does not handle pressure well. He's not very mobile, and he has a tendency to throw off his back foot and gets pressure. Michigan obviously took huge advantage of that last year. Yeah. And are they, they didn't get, really need to blitz a whole yeah, lot. And are they going to be able to have any semblance of that this year? Kind of looks like no. So yeah. now you're throwing the kitchen sink at them and they don't pop a guy open. I, I, my hope is by then Oki is the starter. I don't think that's going to happen. No. Because I think if it was going to happen, it would have already happened. I mean, his play has been going up progressively. And, I mean, he got he got more snaps than the other defensive end against Penn State. I don't have the snap counts for him, but, like... I was, Harrell was number one on that yeah. weak side end spot. So I, I just don't... And even if Iabioki is the starting defensive end in that, he didn't really have a big impact here. And he didn't yeah. really have a big impact against Penn State. So mm-hmm. I think it's an open question whether he can do the kind of things he was doing against Indiana. Against oh, I'm not expecting him to do that. But he had, in, in my charting at least, he had an impact. The thing is they only brought him out mostly on passing downs. What they wanted to do was have Upshaw out there a lot on the edge. And when you have Upshaw out there, you are not getting pass rush. Do you mean Harrell? Because you keep no, saying Upshaw. Upshaw. No, 91. No, 91 was out a few times. Yeah, yeah he was he out was a few out times, but Harrell was Harrell's the number. Harrell's, Harrell was so out they, there a lot, too. Upshaw was mostly on the field in their pass rush package as a defensive tackle. Um Honestly, I think I'd eat the guys fresh. I'd rather have Mason Graham out there. He was, he was out there. A bit. Upshaw was not, not in the pass rush pack. I see. I, okay. We'll have to look at it in UFR, but I saw him a lot at end. And I thought that the idea was because they're best campaign guy. Upshaw was at end a number of times. Yeah. Yeah. And Harrell was like their every down guy. But think that the best way that Michigan State's going to try to move the ball is like broken. Like Clifford did that against Ohio State. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's why we did that. Yeah. Clifford. Uh, well, in, in this game, they only got one scramble. And, and he's a pretty mobile quarterback. Yeah. And the one scramble was um, – I originally thought – live, we all thought uh, Mozzie Smith had been held, but he really just kind of – otherwise, like, you know, Mason Graham pressured him. 
Mozzie Smith goes in to get the sack and then kind of falls over. And yeah. that's that was that was what created. So should Barrett have picked that off? Well, he's he's focused on the back. He's like, I got to make this tackle, and then all of a sudden the ball flashes an arm, and then he's got to adjust what he's doing. Yeah, it's a two probably on, but you want him to catch that. Yeah, well, because Alex and I were going back, and he's like, he's at a bad angle, and I'm like, I don't know. He got both his hands on it. He's a technically skill position player. It's always it's always reaction time for that because like he, he's not expecting the ball to go over the running back, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, but it's a floater. It it's not like I, it's not a zip pass. I never minus a guy for dropping a pass. Like wait, unless it's I was going to say unless it's one of those ones that stick, that you already RJ have. Moten to get a minus was, last I was year? not going to throw those names out there because I don't want to like bag on the guy for that. I mean, Michigan <laughs> has had several people drop some interceptions this year. I, I and yeah, we don't need have, to say who. We can figure it out. Mich- Michigan should have more interceptions than they have. Rod Moore made up for it, though. Do you, Do you think Rod Moore should have had that one earlier, the one he knocked down? I mean, the, the Black, I think it was Blackledge was saying that oh. if, if he plays that like he's trying to intercept it, he probably does. But instead, he just goes up with one hand and knock it down. Now it's third down, and it's I think third down, and it's it's forty yards downfield. So I mean, it wasn't forty. Well, if you catch it, you might get a return. You might fall over. But all like also, they're punting the ball. Low variance. I'm just well. I mean, you're probably right about contextually. I just meant from an approach of a safety, I don't, especially when you're playing that bracket coverage. I, I mean, that's because Green's playing the man, and and that's your job as a safety when you come over to play the ball, right? Which he did. I just I don't, I didn't necessarily think that the angle there kind of goes through the receiver. Oh, okay. So like. I, I didn't know that he had the ability to come under that and get contact on the ball with both hands. I thought that was... So the, the angle that he had to come to hit the ball, he was only going to be able to use one hand? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll have to look at it again. I didn't really... In, okay. In depth, but I didn't... Th- yeah, I I mean, it, it's it's one of those... I, I It's not like I'm not... I'm not knocking a guy for not making that interception. Like, you knock it down on third and long, okay. Yeah. You know, it's over. Um I think that the one he did step in front of was a good play because he kind of baited it. He sat back and then jetted in front of that guy. Well, I got to yeah. talk about Michigan State's tight ends. They are big, blorpy boys. They go blorp, blorp, blorp. <laughs> Wish I had a video of that. They're just so big. Was this, was this in your notes or something? No, like it's that? just like, the blurp. Like, blurp. You get, you get like, uh, Hunt out there, and you're like, man, that's just an offensive lineman. Uh, one and of then, those guys was a receiver at West Bloomfield. Yeah, I remember him being Malik, skinny. Yeah. Malik Carr. And yeah. He, like, he was like one of those like Funches types. Now he's a big, blurpy boy. <laughs> he, <laughs> he and Makari Page like, were, looked exactly the same. Like The two of them used to like. No. They, no. Well, his Carr, was, Carr was definitely bigger than Page. I, I, I saw him play against Craig and I went and watched him play against each but other. But now and, these guys look yeah, and like Page got, erased him as a as a yeah in coverage. Looks but. like they got Brazilian butt lifts. These dudes, they're <laughs> they're chunky, chunky. I think Carr had a couple a catch and run or something, right? And and more. Oh Lord, he coming. <laughs> um, Will Johnson had a stick on a screen. Uh, yeah, we should probably change the topic. <laughs> Think are you, are, think is that what you want to do? Because you seem to be coming back to the No, it's not It's not what he the, wants to do, but it's the best for the podcast, just, Seth. I, and we're, we're making good adding, business decisions adding here. Adding C's to the word thick on his own. Uh, like, while we're I, <laughs> they're so thick. That's exactly right. See what you did? You brought it back. Yeah, that was a good play by Will Johnson, though. I liked it. What about Mike Sainer still? Mike Insane or still? There you go. Uh, his, his nickname is Sweetness, though. What? Yeah. He's he got had, competition. He had a pass breakup on third and three. Yeah, that was a nice play. 
And uh, Jaden Reed didn't really do anything this game. He, I, he got put to the sideline. He line. had a few catches. Well, they, they had the reverse for him on the second play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They had a couple of like little dink catches for him. Yeah. But when he tried to go deep, no. T.J. Turner erased that. Yep. And then they pulled green for chunks. Of, and I mean, they do that from time to time, right? Like, this, Will Johnson's gotten in really for stretches. really felt like a response to what had happened. And mm-hmm. interestingly... They put Sainer still as an outside right like cornerback in the red zone against Jaden Reed, and I was like, really? Uh, they didn't actually test that. Like, yeah. They didn't throw it. And then Johnson got a fair chunk of the second half. So maybe that could be a potential solution if Green is getting shown up in the amount Well, I think that in the Ohio State game, I mean, Ohio, it depends who's healthy, right? I mean, you, you yeah. we're just preparing that Smith and Jigma is going to play, but they have enough receivers that Michigan's going to have to have pretty much. If you can play it's, cornerback at all, you're going to be on the field. It's going to be – all right, so it's going to be uh, Sainer still on Smith and Jigba. You think so? Yeah, because he's the slot guy. And, like, that's that's what they're missing right now. And then outside, um, I mean, you're going to put Turner on Harrison. That's speed on speed. Yeah. And then you got a, a Miko Bukwa. Is my name right? And Bukwa, yeah. And Bukwa, yeah. yeah. And that's the, that's the Keon Coleman guy. That's, that's the big tall. He's not that good. Well, yeah. Harrison, but they also, I mean, they also have Julian Fleming. So I mean, they can He's go four wide receiver. <sighs> like, nah. is he better than Michigan's fourth or fifth corner? I mean, this is what we're talking about. Is like they can put a lot of guys out there. So I think that I mean, Michigan, Michigan has to be ready to play with basically four corners. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to zone it up there. Okay, you can't put four corners out there. It's Ohio State and expect us. But we're well, getting ahead of ourselves. We yeah. should probably focus on this game and not the. Mid- I thought you were going to say we're getting ahead of ourselves. We should focus on. Um. Yeah, Moore had a couple other nice plays coming up, hitting some sticks, tackles. Um, I think you said he was a little bit late in the Penn State game a few times. Yeah, Seth. I. You know, did what? you think? Did you did you see that today live? There's, there's rumbling that he was that he like still had, had some news going into this year. Okay, and that maybe that was like slowing him up a little. Um, and I, maybe like the bye week like allowed him to get a little healthier. He looked more like himself last year, just moving faster. And like the the interception. Um, at the end, he's like sitting back. He's like, "Here, take it, take it, go for it, go yeah. for it." And then he jumps in there, and that is—that's the kind of speed that we saw last year when we were like, Ooh, "This guy." Yeah. Um, and and gets an interception out of it, and like that's—that is like that wasn't there the rest of the year. That hasn't, we haven't seen that all year from him. So maybe that's coming around. Maybe it was an injury thing. Maybe it was just a confidence thing. I do think that the one that went out of bounds that Charles would have gotten. <laughs> He he wanted that one. He was going for that. I don't, for there's no like, way he's going to get like, it. But I am not Charles Woodson, yeah. so he's not Charles Woodson. But yeah, it I, was I'm, it was a bad day for sixes. I had okay. Moten's only only thing that I really saw was he was offsides on a kickoff. Yeah, he's been as the receipt on the receiving by, team. By Isn't Grinch. that Cornelius Johnson? So I think that, no, that Moten had the had the sli- the yellow arm sleeve. That was okay. the way that I could kind of tell them apart. I thought Johnson was the guy on the pump block team. He was. Moten, Moten was offsides on the kickoff. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Like, well, he was playing in the middle, yeah. and he stepped across the line. That's a who cares. But like, the, I understand that. The third and three, I've never seen that. Have you ever seen that? Uh, no. Offsides by the receiving team? No, I was like, oh, I didn't. I didn't even know you could do that. that. I mean... I'm sure you I, can. Yeah, I mean, it's happened on, you know, um, onside kick. Sure, which makes sense. Yeah. All right, so we've changed up our segments here, so we do need to talk about special teams in this segment. This is a good transition. So 
Yeah, Michigan jumps offsides on fourth and three mm-hmm. at the tail end of the first half. And that's Cornelius Johnson. And that's Cornelius Johnson. I'm, I'm just like, do it. Yeah, this is going to be a touchdown now. It's my where my brain went. Well, also, like, you got 45 seconds. You yeah. got three timeouts. Yeah. You got a good returner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, if it's fourth and eight, yeah, sure, what the hell? Like, gamble. But Are you surprised they were going for a block? Yes. Like, in that situation, everything points to, like, set up a return, see if you get it at the 40. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you got, like, you got a kicker that can make him from yeah. 55. Yeah, and I was just – I was like, oh. So I think that probably takes three points the board. And then we got some trouble with the snap. It's <laughs> <laughs> a joke in there a, somewhere. Is that officially what that means? Well, th- now, there are snappers out, right? So, like, there are long both, snappers. Both, Mich- both Michigan and Michigan State are on to I mean, the, their second team long snappers. The, the, uh, where the programs are at. Michigan has snapper depth. Michigan do. State. Well, not. well, I mean, their their punter Behringer made a great play on the first one. Yeah, and he went up one handed it, like, brought it down. Was that there was a Michigan State game like a few years ago where their punter did the same. So twenty nineteen, uh-huh. it was uh-huh. yeah, that and was, then he punted it like eighty yards. And that was, that was like, at it was at state. That was that was at state after the so big it was eighteen. Storm and 18 it was eighteen, yeah. yeah. And it was like a it was just a dumb moment too because like the sequence right before that should have been another it was it was, it was it was they're like, backed up in their own end and he yeah. just bombs and you're like oh, okay yeah. Yeah. it was like it was like oh that's that's a safety or a touchdown and yeah. then all of a sudden Michigan got the ball in their yeah. four yeah. yeah how <laughs> I don't like this at all and at least when Behringer caught the first one the ensuing punt was pretty crappy I mean yeah. brilliant play but he, you know Michigan yeah. had it at the thirty seven yeah and his first punt was terrible. One off the side of his foot. Awesome. That was mismarked by like five yards. I know. <laughs> like, it hits a guy five yards on the sideline at the 30, and then Michigan got the ball at the 30, and I'm like, that's not possible. That, that's Alex's favorite thing. He's like, don't you love it when the referee's just on those kickoff or the kicks that go out of bounds, or he's just running up the field with his hand in the air, and all of a sudden he randomly stops, and you're like, okay, yeah. guess you're stopping now. Like, that must be where you think the ball went out of bounds, 50 feet in the air. <sighs> I mean, it didn't matter, but. Uh, and we got a spot so bad in this game, it got overturned. Yeah. Oh, on the uh, when they gave him the fourth down, and yeah. then they had to review it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was pretty bad. Although, if you watch the replay on third down, I think he might have had the first down. Yeah. I thought like so. well, I was like, well, maybe he bounces on the ground, but a decent part of his torso and shoulders are across the line, yeah, like not even about, there. It was all about where his knee came down, which was in a pile of guys. So, yeah, like, which means it could have been on a guy. I mean, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I thought that was a. Rough spot, and but then, then Jake Moody makes five field goals, uh, one of them from fifty-four. Yeah, I mean that's not a surprise. Well, fifty-four is always a little bit of a like, ooh, yeah, that's nice. no, that's good. I, I guess I just watch too much NFL where anything inside of sixty, I just yawn. Yeah, I mean the NFL they need to change possibly. Like, this is this is narrow the goalposts. No, no, no. You got to put a lid on it. You got to switch feet. <laughs> okay, Craig. So you, this is a Craig take. No, this is my take. Wow. Don't. This is my take. No, I'm not saying I'm not Craig saying that this is me. I'm not saying that this is his oh. take. I'm calling labeling this yeah, a Yeah, Craig take. Craig does think it's a great idea. Yeah. And it is a great idea. You should have to alternate feet. So you get to kick with your right foot on one field goal and the next one it's got to be We're starting to lose foot. Brian in this segment, so we need to talk about the relevant things left. That's uh, extremely relevant. I mean, is is was Bryce Berenger good? Like he I mean Not to, not he, yesterday. Not in this game, no. but like I mean, it's not really his fault. To, he was supposed to be a punting god, and like, well, he he was number one in like the fanciest punting stat I could find, mm-hmm. and like it had six Big Ten punters in the top ten, so it clearly passes the sanity <laughs> test. Yes, 
this is all we do. We got, we got punter death here, man. <laughs> so, but like, I mean, holds and punter death. He, uh, he like, he had a snapper where he didn't know where it was going to go the whole time. Yeah. Of course, he's going to be a little bit rattled. Well, his, his first punt. He shanks. Second one I thought was good, but he gets a bad bounce at the ro- at the end. Yeah, the rolls. Not- and then and then the third one was the one that he miraculously saved and got away. Yeah. And the fourth one he could not. Yep, and then Brad Robbins had to kick, which is what I have another idea. Oh no! So we move the kickoffs to the fifty, and the extra point is whether you get the kickoff through the uprights. Then the then the kickoff matters, and it's cool. It, it is true that kickoffs don't matter as, as much as they used to. I enjoyed that the Michigan crowd was booing every fair catch by Michigan State <laughs> Yeah, <players>. of course. <laughs> uh, they put Wilson back for kick returns instead of Henning, and he returned two of them, and neither of them were. Yeah, he took it the 20 both note. times. Yeah. yeah. Shoot your shot. They also um, – it depends on how you want to classify that run, if it was the JJ, because I was looking at their first uh, first down passing – percentage mm-hmm. in the first half and so it's either seven or eight of 17 depending on that jj run if it's a if it's a draw or oh, a read yeah so and if it's let's say that it is a read then it, they're eight of 17 throwing on first down so they were fairly, fairly more balanced, aggressive yeah. than i thought especially in the first half uh throwing the ball I mean, they did that last year against Michigan State, too. Michigan State's secondary probably had something to do. Well, they didn't really go after that secondary. It was no. all windmen. Like right. Like Kate they, w- they were going after – I mean, Schoonmaker was the guy in the <clears throat> receiving game. Yeah. That's, I mean, they Cornelius Johnson had a catch and then a fumble, which we didn't talk about, but that's yeah, okay. Well, There's nothing really to do. Don't. Okay. Please. That's, right. that's my take on all fumbles. Don't talk an- about fumbles? Uh, Cornel- no, hit, just don't do it. Uh, Johnson oh, had another good, play good where he like didn't turn around in time for the ball. Like No, that was – like he's getting chucked, and uh, this is completely in the wrong segment. Yeah. Then, <laughs> well, we we missed it. I don't yeah, know. Our first and our first just, segment was unplanned, yeah. and then and then JJ just <laughs> throws it in the wrong spot. I didn't think that was. I thought that was on JJ. But I guess we're poo poo plattering whatever we've got left. I could talk some more about the thick and chunky. Nope. <laughs> All right, I think we're. Please se- tell we're me that wasn't the let's talk to Jamie segment. That's it. <laughs> we're talking to Jamie. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com.
If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the Big House. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. Here's the thing people say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did. Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group. They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games. And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248 248- 682-7445 or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com It's not that easy being green Having to spend each day the color of the When I think it could be so much nicer Being red, yellow or gold Or something much more colorful like that Lord, it's not easy being green It's so the Illinois game is now outpriced. If you didn't jump on it when I told you, did you jump on it? Uh, you don't. You already have tickets. I, I don't. I have like so. I'm the worst person. <laughs> People are like, "How do you get tickets for the football game?" And I'm like, "I don't know. My family's had them for 70 years." Uh, so oh, I scrounge, and yeah. I and I've been a pretty good scrounger for a while now. Um, and I told you to jump on those Illinois tickets because now they're going up. But you know what's gone down? Nebraska? Nebraska. Nebraska? <laughs> yeah, for some reason, people don't think that Nebraska game is going to be as strong as it was. So there was, as I'm looking right now, there's a section three for under 100 bucks for a pair. What? Um, yeah. Well, well each, each one's under 100 bucks. So that's, that's like on the 20. Yeah. Well, like on the 30 almost. On yeah. the 30? Yeah. So that's what's happening right now. There's a bunch of them getting like put up there. People are like looking at the like, oh, I'm going to go to the Illinois game, not the Nebraska game. And I think maybe some Nebraska fans bought tickets earlier in the season and are now kind of oh. dumping those. So as those pop up, I would not go for the lowest get-in price. But look around. There's like really good seats popping up. All right. And at Ticket IQ, the price you see is the price you pay. So if I say $96, you pay $96. You don't pay $164. Right. Okay. Great. Welcome and Jamie Mack, who just covered blog.com. How are you doing, Jamie? I'm doing great, guys. There's a, a little bit of a skip to my step this morning. And, uh, you know, if that triggers anybody up in Kalkaska or Brutus, Michigan, well, you know, tough. May, maybe seek some therapy. That It's worked wonders for a lot of us. It could work wonders for you, too. <laughs> Probably free services up in Brutus. I'm sure of it. All right. So a rare moment on the podcast where we're going to start off with Ohio State and focus heavily upon it. Ohio State 44, Penn State 31 in a very strange game in which Penn State actually outgains Ohio State by 30 yards. But the heroics of, oh, God, JT Tuimoalau. 
the <laughs> so first overall recruit in the country. People talked about him for like three years. I time. what's his last name? God damn it, Tuamalo. Tuamalo. Tuamaloa. Tuamalo. I think it's pronounced Tuamaloa. I, I I mean that's that's what I've heard it discussed right. as. Screw it, times. JTT. Uh, well, it's great. Ohio State now has a defensive end who can cover guys and pass coverage and jump routes. Perfect. Just forces, what we wanted to find out. Forces an interception, <laughs> intercepts two passes, has a sack strip, um, and generally torments Penn State. Uh, Sean Clifford goes for three hundred and seventy-one yards, three touchdowns, throws three picks, um, and then they're. Two-headed back, 26 carries, about 120 yards. Parker Washington has the game of his life. Man, um, he was awesome. Insane catches everywhere. Uh, Ohio State responds with Marvin Harrison having an equally insane game, except he does that every Overall, though, things got a little janky towards the end of this game, but Penn State has a fourth-quarter lead in this after the most Rube Goldberg drive imaginable. Oh, God. And uh, – this is a Penn State team that absolutely got waxed by Michigan. Ohio State's ground game is nothing until a 41-yard touchdown uh, immediately after Penn State takes. But Mayan Williams gets injured in this game, only two carries. Trevion Henderson, 16 carries, 78 yards. This looks like a beatable Ohio State team. Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's look at some of those numbers. Ohio State's rushing success rate, 42%. Their rushing success rate on early downs was just – 45%. Um, as far as Michigan, two weeks ago against Penn State, those numbers were 57% rushing success rate and 53% on early down success rate. Michigan gained 85.8 available yards against Penn State. Ohio State only gained 62% of their available yards. They actually lost the net available yardage game in, in this one as far as the box score. And uh, I mean, it, it was just part of me was like, questioning Ryan Day's play calling and I was wondering did did Michigan bait him into running the ball a lot on first and second down in this game to kind of say oh hey we can do it too and they couldn't do it and they were forced into a lot of third and long situations and you know with CJ Stroud and those wide receivers you can get a few of those but overall you're not going to be able to get them I don't care if you're the world famous Ohio State Buckeyes or not and we've seen these last two weeks um, I think they're seven for 35 on third down these last two weeks or something like that and it's all been it's all been third and longs. And the other stat they showed a lot during the broadcast was Michigan's yardage on first down versus Ohio State's yardage on first down versus Penn State. And it was a significant difference. It was like 6.8 to 2.1. I know that 2.1 number probably increased as they put it on him in the fourth quarter. So I'm sorry, I don't have final numbers on that. But that was another stat that stuck out as a difference between the two matchups. Yeah, I mean, this was 21-16 with 10 minutes left. In it. But Penn State <clears throat> had three turnovers. Yeah, so yeah. this was – no, that, not yet. Oh, it's not, they had two turnovers at that yeah. point. Yeah. Um, and we should talk about this Penn State drive. So they have an insane – Yes, please. This was my favorite drive of the year maybe. <laughs> they have an insane play call on third and one where they're trying to throw it into the end zone when they've actually been running the ball pretty well. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, all right. We're going to kick a field goal. Miss, but there's a false start, so it goes back another four yards. So they miss a 29-yard, 34-yard attempt. Miss. Ohio State gets a very weird procedure call for lining up over the center on a field goal. Not something I even knew was a penalty. No. And then it goes back to fourth and one. Mm -hmm. They bring the offense back out on the field. (laughs) Because God is telling you to go for it at this point. They convert. They score a touchdown. It is reviewed. Uh huh. It comes back 
to the one foot line. Correct. Because they fumbled on their way into the goal line. Right. right. That's right. I yeah, they, they almost part. screwed the whole drive up on a fumble at the goal they, line. They they almost they have a fumble recovery that is initially ruled in the end zone, but it's actually at the half yard line. They get stuffed on a third down quarterback sneak, mm-hmm. and then Catron Allen powers through a defense. I mean, he looks dead to right. <laughs> yeah. Powers through a defensive end and is able to sneak into the end zone, and that's how Penn State goes up 21-16. The most frames Janklin oh of all God. drives. I yeah. It was the, the review was correct, and I was still mad about it because I'm like, just let this drive end, guys. What are you doing yeah. extending this thing any further? You had an opportunity yeah. to stop it right here. And, we, and we've no. talked yeah, we've talked before about how, you know, emotionally as Michigan fans and, and Ohio State haters that we, we never expect Ohio State to lose. We never think they're going to lose. But for a brief second, I actually thought they were on the ropes and going to lose after that drive because of all the shenanigans you just detailed. I mean, that is just totally the drive that like upsets are, are somehow authored from. But it was fleeting because the Bucks scored in three plays to take the lead for good on the next possession. But um, yeah, that third and one. Uh, wheel route is thrown in the end zone. I thought that was for sure a play call that was designed to go for it on fourth down. I, I couldn't believe that he, you know, he was kicking the field goal there. Yeah. And then the other third down that they got stuffed after the review at the goal line, you know, that was a full house T backfield with the, and they snuck, snuck it. I, I don't, I, I, I don't like understand, I don't understand that. You need all the blockers you can get your Penn state. Um, why sacrifice three behind the quarterback who has nothing to do with the play. You need them to block, but they didn't block though on the ensuing play or on the fourth and two with the full house tee earlier in the game, which was dead to rights and they killed. And I'm just like, you're not a power running team frames. You haven't been at Penn state for eight or nine years, however long you've been there. You certainly weren't a power running team um, at Vanderbilt. Uh, You have got mediocre numbers as far as um, yeah. Power success rate and stuff run. You know, you're still in the bottom half of the country. You're in the big 10. You should be like top 20 in that if you're a real team. Why are you doing all this? I, I, I'm, what I'm saying is you did this full house T and you're just running straight up. Isn't the point of having a T backfield to do some sort of misdirections or oh, some yeah. dance ball fakes and you're not doing anything of it and nobody's blocking in their dead place? Well, I mean, it was working for the first half. And the problem is, is they just kept running the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I thought that quarterback sneak out of the T should have just been like, why even have the T? Just line everybody up on Clifford's butt and just ruck it into the end zone. Like, I Yeah, mean, exactly. So yeah. one subplot we have for Ohio State is that against Iowa, they get set up with a bunch of short field. Yes. Against Penn State, they get short set up with a bunch of short field. And they can't really convert. So they've had 12 red zone drives against, and they've got six touchdowns and they got six. So Michigan's red zone issues are also something that Ohio State is dealing with. And I think if you go back to Mayan Williams being out of this game, he's their power back. Trayvon Henderson is not a guy who's going to deadlift people into the end zone a la Blake Corum. And they mm-hmm. don't really have much mobility at quarterback. C.J. Stroud is mostly a pocket passer. So I think that they do have a weakness similar to Michigan's. But if we're just projecting what might happen in the game, it feels like Michigan just needs to like realize that Blake Corum is their dude mm-hmm. and just – Get rid of all the the end zone. Just get rid of all the frippery and load up and go. Get a fullback. And Ohio State's issues are probably more systemic. Um, If Mike Williams does return healthy from injury, maybe that helps them a little bit. But Iowa and Penn State, two defenses that Michigan didn't really have. Well, that's not true. (laughs) Two defenses that gave Michigan problems in the red zone, similar red zone problems for Ohio State. 
They have a fullback, though. And the, the, that's weird. Like, Ohio State never does that. They never, like, just get down there and just push the ball or go into an I-form. Like, they don't have that in their pocket. Well, I mean, Even though they have the personnel you would, to be able to do that kind of thing. I mean, they played a tight game against Penn State basically the whole way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And their running backs finished this game the total. Of, I mean, that's just a totally different world than, than Michigan. So I kind of feel like Michigan is more likely to figure it out than Ohio State. This might be sort of something inherent to this version yeah. of the OSU. Well, and I think that J.J. Uh, McCarthy's legs in the red zone is sort of an X factor that all we needed to all, – all we need that X factor for is that one game. You know, we don't, you know, and they can't really do that with Stroud. They kind of always have to throw throw the ball when it's in his hands in the red zone. I mean, and, you maybe. Know. There, there is uh, an idea that, you know, remember when uh, – Haskins – or Dwayne Hazard. Yeah, no, like they they had a pocket passer and they they had that hilarious loss to Purdue and they were like throwing wide receiver screens in the red zone and then they come to the Michigan game and it's like okay now you got to run the ball, bro. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I think that there might be something because it's not like Stroud is uh, Connor Basilak yeah, or yeah. Spencer Petras. He can move a bit. Yeah, boy, you said wide receiver screens. I wasn't. I didn't really have this in my notes, but you just reminded me. That Penn State was on their screen game all day, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, every time they try to screen pass in the first half, Cade Stover missed a couple blocks and it got blown up in the second half. I think Julian Fleming missed some blocks, um, but uh, their screen game, Penn State blew that up all all uh, it, all afternoon. It was weird. Penn State, they had their bye and then they had Michigan and Ohio State. And I really felt like Penn State prepared more for Ohio State. Like maybe well, going I, to Michigan was like, oh, we're going to lose that one. So I don't know if that's necessarily the case. What I think Colin TJ on Twitter was saying is that you know, Penn State slants so much, mm-hmm. that's their whole deal on defense. So if you go up against a gap block scheme, that can really backfire. Right. So Michigan's running a ton of gap plays. And Ohio State is almost exclusively zone. Yeah. So if you get a slant to your zone, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that Those was, slants were blowing up their stretch plays all day. Yeah, so it was um, something where maybe Ohio State didn't prepare enough for Penn State. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. It's not <laughs> like they had to do much for the, anybody else on the schedule. Got to make sure we're ready for Iowa. There but. was there was also a theory floating around post uh, post Michigan Penn State that Penn State is just built to play Ohio State better because they came so close in 2016, 2017 and 2018 and you know they're kind of just built to defend Ohio State's passing attack more than they're built to defend a style like Michigan. I, I haven't really dug there. deep into that, but that's what that that's what a lot of postscript, at least on the Penn State side, was saying after the after the aftermath of the Michigan game and trying to like stoke optimism in the fan base, like, hey, we're a better matchup for Ohio State. There's some truth to that, I think, in that like Penn State likes to get upfield. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of blows up what Ohio State likes to, unless like you know their stretch zone, you have to stay in your lane. But like, yeah, that's the and all that, yeah. And all that defensive back talent they have, that totally helps against Ohio State, but doesn't yeah. really help when Blake Corum is just gashing you. Yeah, I mean, so. one thing that stood out is that Marvin Harrison was generally very well covered on his 10 receptions on 12 targets. Mm-hmm. Just a, um, <clears throat> yeah, I think Ohio State caught all their targeted or all their contested targets. <laughs> I think they were five for five, according to PFF. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it felt like there were more than five contested targets, though. I mean, that was their thing against us last year, that like Michigan was shutting them down on everything. And the one thing they had working from it's like, oh, throw it up to that guy. And yeah. 
Right, and either Garrett Wilson or JSN will do something stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually would say the loudest one of the loudest moments I've I've heard at the big house was that third and nineteen at the end of the third quarter last year, and then Jackson Smith and Jigbo made that sick catch, probably the most ridiculous catch I've seen yeah. uh, in person, and that, that that didn't really quiet the crowd, but like. You guys can remember how it was just crescendoing that whole third quarter. And I'll just never forget that. Like, wow, Jackson Smith and Jigo momentarily quieted the loudest I've ever heard the big house with an insane catch. And yeah, it doesn't matter. It's new, 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 new boss, same boss, right? Unfortunately, the guy sitting next to you was my brother, not me, because my wife had COVID and I was stuck at home. Right. (laughs) Well, so Michigan absolutely curb stomped this Penn State. Yeah. I mean, they got a couple of fluky plays in the first half, but otherwise, this was a complete domination. And. Even with an Ohio State defensive end putting up an insane game, this game was competitive until there was like three minutes left. Absolutely. I mean, home and road has some impact there, but I know transitive is not exactly perfect. Yeah. But these two games, they got to give you some confidence that Michigan is able to go into Columbus and play with these. No, absolutely. And to kind of bring it full circle, we we started started this by discussing how Ohio State was uh, failing in their scoring opportunities. Well, they lead the country points per drive at 4.62 coming into this game. The last two weeks, they've only been at 3.8 points per possession. But if you take out the defensive scores they've had in each of those games, it's down to 3.2. So they finally meet decent to good to great defenses in Iowa and Penn State, and they're they're scoring one and a half points less per possession. That's significant. That's very significant. And now they're going to play Indiana. Now they're going to play Northwestern. And now they're going to play Maryland. So those numbers are going to be on a significant uptick again as we get into November. You know, and I and and I I think that that I hopefully it's not going to lull Ohio State into a into a you know into a into a uh, into some sort of confident overconfidence. But like they're going to get cranked up again. And you know I think Michigan is going to be ready for it sucks that they got wisconsin and we got illinois right when this flips right well i think that that <laughs> that worries me more than anything else because that's going to be one physical ball game uh, that's going to be a physical ball game it's I mean, not maybe, a bad hot take to say that illinois michigan probably could be the best game in the big tennis well there's the game i just think that's just going to be a really really physical ball game can we oh. flip the nebraska and illinois games on a schedule really quickly <laughs> I, I would like that. Speaking of that, Illinois 26, Nebraska 9. Nebraska puts up 248 yards offense. Illinois doesn't crack 400. Uh, Chase Brown again goes for 100 yards. And um, Tommy DeVito goes 20 of 22 in the air, uh, mostly dinking and dunking his way down. Four turnovers for Nebraska. And the Illinois defense, I mean – you look at who they've played, and they haven't played anybody who can really move the ball. But uh, anyone putting up these numbers is uh, is doing something right. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, touchdown uh, touchdown rate that I like to talk about, they gave up one touchdown in 12 drives yesterday. So they're now only allowing touchdowns on, well, it was 7.1% of their drives coming into the week. So it's probably less than that now. But that's number two in the country. Michigan's number three in the country in that stat, by the way. There's there's going to be a lot of positive Spider-Man pointing memes when we preview that game, by the way. There's a lot of similarities in the stats. But, yeah, only four touchdowns on their last 75 drives. And, yeah, you get to a point where you can't really complain too much about the competition. At some point, it is what it is. Um, they're just not allowing anything. Nebraska's last eight drives yesterday, 28 plays, 35 yards, four three and outs, two first down and outs, and two turnovers. Should be noted that Casey Thompson goes out midway through this game while throwing a pick. So yes. 
Chubba Purdy comes in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brian's been on a chalky thing today. Uh, <laughs> that's that's what you're missing there, Jamie. Uh, look, All right. We don't have to involve Jamie in my weird fetishes. But <laughs> so there there is sort of a reason that Nebraska wasn't able to move the ball as might have otherwise. Um, yeah. But I mean, I don't know. They, I don't know. They how did you... look good on those four drives with Casey Thompson. And I mean, they were they had a couple big plays. They were averaging nine yards a pop because of those big plays. That great tight end they've got, Volacek, they finally freed him and got him loose for a long catch and run for a touchdown. But then then, uh, Casey Thompson exploded to pieces because, as happens in every Illinois game, three guys converged on him. Mm. (laughs) And then he threw up a duck that three different Illinois guys could have caught, and one did, and returned it to the 10. Um, But I kind of feel like they would have pulled away anyway, Mm kind of because, like, that's – I don't have any faith in Nebraska, so I feel like Illinois still would have pulled away, but it would have been nice to have seen them go four quarters against Casey Thompson. Yeah. But we're gonna see, we're gonna we're gonna see it because they get, you know, that Purdue game in a couple weeks. Um th- that's 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 Casey Thompson times five. <laughs> well they, they get Michigan State next week, so Do they? Ooh. Chalk up I can't wait for that. Chalk up four points for state in that game. And then the Purdue game yeah. is right before Michigan and that'll be the best offense they've faced by some distance this year. We'll, we'll see how their almost exclusive use of cover one man-to-man holds up against a pretty sophisticated passing offense. And yeah, absolutely. Of- I mean, that's a that's a I mean, that's a very intriguing matchup. You know, a month ago we we're like, aha, Illinois Purdue for the Big Ten West, but now we're like, hmm. Yeah, how about that cover one versus Aiden O'Connell and Jeff Brown's play calling? You know, I mean, that, that's going to be a fun game. <laughs> and a lot of blitzing. And- I got a laugh out of Brian with the words Bra- Jeff Brown play calling. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, but I'm, I keep saying this, a lot of blitzing. And what does Purdue do great, like so well? They have great screens, right? Yeah. So, I mean, and Nebraska actually had, when they moved the ball, they got a couple screens. And I'm surprised that teams have not really tested Illinois that way before because Illinois loves bringing the linebackers. They love bringing safety. They're going to mm-hmm. come down and blitz you and play cover one, and it's like, okay, man. But, you know, screen yeah. games are really good against that, and they seem a little – Well, <sighs> now I'm going to play the competition card. Maybe some of their competition just has not had the game to do that. Yeah. You know, I mean, not there's a, something to be said about that. <laughs> not a whole lot else on the docket this week. Minnesota 31, Rutgers 0 in a game where Gavin Wimsat starts for the cable subscribers. 6 of 17, 68 yards, one pick. Noah Vedral comes back for whatever reason. Rutgers puts up 134 net yards, uh, and Minnesota gives them the business with Mo Ibrahim. And yeah, the only thing I really want to say about this game is Minnesota's first drive of the game started at their own one and they went 19 plays, 99 yards for a touchdown. Wow. And then on their second drive started on their own 14 and they went 13 plays for 86 yards for a touchdown, 17 and a half minutes of time of possession on their two drives. Mo Ibrahim, I think he's still in an ice bath, 36 carries for 159 yards, but 19 of those carries were on those first two drives. So this does not look like a feisty, going to make it annoying against Michigan Rutgers team like last year. Yeah, we ended last week's podcast, you know, thinking like, hey, Rutgers got good D-line stats. Let's see what they can do against this big Minnesota offensive line. And yeah, it was ugly. (laughs) All right. Last game of the week, Iowa 33, Northwestern 13. Oh, God. (laughs) 393 yards of total offense for Iowa, 177 for Northwestern. This Sullivan kid throws it. 30 times, completes 23 for 159 yards. Evan Hall can't do anything against the Iowa defense. Spencer Petrus 
throws some passes that are complete, and some of them go to wide receivers. No. That's amazing. No way. That's amazing. Are you reading the box score correctly? Uh, Nico Regani got 66 yards. That's oh, wow. He's than, a little slot receiver. That's more than Sam Laporta. Oh, my gosh. He's he's also a scholarship for which is not that helps very so, common on the team. I got two. So I guess the, the the question I have to you is how many years of an extension does Brian Ferentz get on his contract after uh, this performance? I'm, I mean, is is Pat Fitzgerald under any duress here? They uh, they went three and nine last year. They're one and seven this year. They have a Rutgers level quarterback situation. They get Ohio State next. Yeah, that's... I mean, they really look like they're headed for one and eleven. They got yeah, Minnesota, Purdue, and Illinois in their league left on the schedule. I mean, they're going to be two touchdown dogs in all those games. I, I just you're, you're asking if Northwestern, who hasn't pulled the pin on their basketball coaches, okay, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. yeah, but the numbers the numbers are getting ugly. Even with the six and two Big Ten West championship season of 2020, they are nine and 22 against the big in the Big Ten since the start of 2019. And if they don't pull off a win here in November, it'll be their third one-win conference season in the last four years. They're more talented than they were in the 70s and the 80s, but three one-win conference seasons in four years. That's Northwestern 1970, 1980 kind of territory. And yesterday was a total joke. Iowa had gained 83% of their available yards. What? They were they were sub. This is per games on paper. And sometimes the numbers end up differently when they end up on uh, on, on the BCF Toys site. I don't know how that works out. I should probably figure that out, but they were 83%. They're sub 25% in half their power five games this year. <laughs> their best mark before yesterday was 44.6% against the mighty Nevada, the mighty Nevada. Wolfpack. 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 That's insane. It's insane. I'm mad about there's some heat should be involved, but like, I, I, I understand that. Yeah. They're not going to pull the trigger on Pat, but if he wants to clean house on his defensive staff, I mean, they're only in the year, year two with these new guys. So you might as well. I wonder how much Hank was the actual Maybe. coach of that program. I, no, I mean, I mean, he, well, that, it's a very interesting line. point, yeah. right? Very <laughs> well, interesting like, point. Their offense. I mean, they used to have Kane Coulter and Trevor Simeon on the same roster, and now yeah. their quarterback situation is basically Rutgers. Yeah. Well, and even when they had guys like Dan Persa and Mike Kafka, they were very dangerous at quarterback because those are really good college quarterbacks who yeah. can do things. Yeah, I think that the era when you could find a guy who was kind of an athlete who could throw a bit was good for them, and now that we're back in an era where, like, your quarterback has to throw the ball. Like, uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, Simeon is a fringe NFL quarterback, right? Like, yeah, but, like, that's because other teams were Well, only when you were watching him, Brian. Hey, he, he made the Broncos, and I'm not watching training camp. Oh, I'm just saying that's true. Simeon's good point. Like, Simeon's good the point. kind of guy who would have been point. playing for Michigan <laughs> today or, you know, uh, on someone else's roster. He would not – where well, Coulter was a four-star dual threat guy who was a big recruit for them, and like any kind of momentum that that they are having is out the window. And I, I don't know. I mean, this Northwestern was the pioneer of like spread and shred kind of things, and it feels like that is just gone. And yeah. I don't think it's coming back under Pat Fitzgerald because like that was a Randy Walker joint, right? And yeah. he was mm-hmm. an offensive mind, and Pat Fitzgerald is a former linebacker who thinks cell phones are the devil. So. This just kind of feels like the permanent state of Northwestern football at this point. Yeah. I and mean, when you add in the Randy Walker tenure, it's been over 20 years since they've done a coaching search. Yeah. Um, and to to be honest, it just – I know a lot of stuff develops in the offseason, but I can't imagine a situation where any of us are not picking Northwestern to be dead last in the, in the West next summer when we're doing all our previews. 
Um, because it does, it totally looks, it looks very permanent, even, even Nebraska, which we've been making fun of all year, you know, there's some excitement with the passing game and, you know, they are going to be getting a new coach and that's the team that's down in the standings with them. And there's so much more, um, what's the word? There's just a little bit, there's so much more optimism around that program. And that is sad to say, because Nebraska has been toxic for the last couple of years. Yeah. But speaking of Northwestern's quarterbacks, we had a couple listeners reach out to me. Their quarterback, Brendan Sullivan, is actually a son of a former Michigan offensive lineman, Mike Sullivan. Oh, yeah. Somebody was mad at me at Twitter for calling it some guy when I'm like, I should know. You, Mike Sullivan's kid. <laughs> you know, Mike yeah. Sullivan's kid. Well, that's well, I wanted to, I wanted to make sure we did not uh, get – I wanted to make sure people didn't get in our mentions a second week in a row. So. I, I think Kurt Anderson's their, their offensive line coach. It's, uh, it's, it's a yeah. guy who's, co- who's coaching that O-line, which is the only part of their program that has anything going for it, right? Well, maybe Josh Gaddis can come back to the Big Ten next year and Ooh, coordinate boy. the Northwestern offense. Well, I mean, hey, guys, is it good – to play a four overtime game and not have your team score an offensive touchdown. Is that good offensive coordinating? I'm just, I, I think the big 10 should step in. Offensive coordinating? We were going to have legendary numbers for <sighs> Iowa's offense this year. And now they're ruined. They're like, it, it's, it's not going to look as good as it did. No. Right. Like we were going to have like 3.4 yards per play for a whole season. It's going to be like, ha ha. Now we have the worst offense of all time. I've just been thinking about this and I really need Gaddis in the big 10 West. So we can have like a Gaddis, Brian Ferentz face off with no talent. Oh my God. That like I was. Are there, is there is there a Big Ten ACC bowl matchup this summer <laughs> or this winter that we can do well, pinstripe bowl in, got, in Yankee Stadium? I got bad news about the bowl eligibility chances of both Miami and Iowa. <laughs> That's actually a good point. That's Josh, a good point. Josh Gaddis, head coach of Nebraska. Uh, I mean, the last guy from Miami didn't no, work. No, but... I don't like that because, like, I like I want Nebraska to have like a fun mobile quarterback and like pick up a bunch of yards and then explode at the end of the game for no reason. Like, they should hire Scott Frost. Yeah, he'd be good. He'd be good. He's a program alum. Yeah, uh, yeah, he had that great UCF. Don't yeah. know where what he's been doing the past few years, but probably something good. <laughs> All right, Jamie, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks. No problem. Thanks, guys. Good talking. Go podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, a chunky boy with Brian Cook and David Nasternet. We're not chunky boys, but you are a chunky boys. Those boys in Washington County Jail today. Chalky! Who's got it better than us? No! So what's the difference between paunchy? I've never heard of all these words. Paunch is like you got a... I'm sorry, can you do that again? (laughs) And like, chonky is like you got a big ass. (laughs) I got a chonky ass. I'm a chonky boy. This could be its own segment. People would listen to this. You are now muted. Hey. (laughs) You are now (laughs) muted.